The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Episode 111 of the Tumbling Saber Podcast. My name's Kyle. My name's Corey. And James is not with us just yet. Hopefully he will be joining us a little later in the show. For now you get... But, but, but <laughs> I'm sure if he was, I'm sure he would say something about the number 1100. What is it? 1100th? <laughs> From the, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings? Whatever. He busts my balls on that too, but... You know, it's the reference from, uh, come on, Bilbo's birthday. Fellowship? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know the years. quote, but yes, I know what you're talking about. Shame on us for sure would have said something. He probably would. I'll, I'll pretend that he did. Uh, so what's new, Corey? Not too much, man. I mean, uh, the weather's kind of been nice a bit. We got to get out a bit. A few winter carnivals and stuff going on, which is cool. Uh, got out to meet the boys. Sadly, you didn't get to join us. Uh, had a little smoke meat with Carlos uh, Candido and Mr. James O'Flaherty for his birthday. Just, you know, nice for me. Anyway, I I just popped in and pe- popped out. Like, I just crammed that sandwich in my face and left, kind of. But uh, <laughs> Dine and dash? I, I was, uh, yeah, pretty much I was I was working, but uh, I had to meet the boys, you know. I had to keep my word this time. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like but, you were on uh, the verge of bailing again. It was tight, man. It was Friday, and uh, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, stuff was hitting the fan. So, it was, but whatever, I just said, you know what, too bad. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, You're not curing cancer. Bad, not, you know, I don't, last time exactly. I checked, nobody, none of us here are curing cancer. We can take out an hour for lunch. It's not going to change it, anything. It could change things, but at this point, I was just like, yeah, it's not my problem anymore. Forget this. But anyhow, Carlos actually, collecting update-wise, Carlos gave me a nice, nice little framed uh, picture of some, well, handwritten lyrics, anyhow. Cool. Yeah, definitely cool. That's super nice. Yeah, really thoughtful. I wasn't expecting that at all. No kidding. Um, all right. How about we talk about a little bit of Star Wars? But well, before we get there, let's just welcome two new powerful friends to the program. Let's say hi to James McDowell and Jeff Kiltz. Hey guys, welcome to the Tumbling Saber Powerful Friends program. Thank you guys so much, and uh, it, yeah, super appreciated. Yeah, ditto, boys. Welcome, welcome aboard. Now, uh, James is in the Facebook group, uh, so I'm sure that some of you have had a chance to say hi. But you can also follow him on Twitter at grunt underscore trooper, and Jeff is also on Twitter at Jeff Kelts, J E F F K E L T S. So stop in on Twitter and say hi. Jeff's a, Jeff's also a big baseball fanatic, so we are going to get along just fine, just fine. Oh, j- thinking of that. You know, oof, boys. Sadly, well, sadly, whatever it is, it is. I love my boy, but uh, you know, option was out there. We're playing sports this summer. It's like, yeah, team sports. Let's do this. And he's like, yeah, I'm playing soccer. I was like, <laughs> good for you. I was like, damn it. 
but no, it should be good. I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, you gotta let them choose at this age. And come on, where are they gonna get a better workout? True. I mean, I'm happy for him. Like he, he seems to enjoy it. He talks about it all the time at school. So there you go. All right. So as as you know, uh, James and Jeff joined the Patreon program, uh, and they're they're in just in time to get into the draw for the 40th anniversary Princess Leia figure. Oh yeah. Yeah, we are going to be drawing that on Sith Disturbers this week. So if you're listening to this program on the day it drops, and you really you want to get into that, you still have you probably have a small window. So head over to Patreon.com/slash Tumbling Saber. Sign up for just a couple bucks per month, and that prize can be yours. And that also gets you in because uh, we will we'll be dropping our Han Solo uh, movie quiz this week, where the prize for that is the exquisite, the super handsome. Han Solo 40th anniversary figure, which was a tough one to come by. So it's a, there's a little bit of exclusivity to that prize. So oh, indeed, yeah, that, at, at least at least a nice shape. This one, this one's, uh, <laughs> this, one's a, this one's in good yeah, shape. This yeah. one's a nice shape. Anyway, there's there's a couple of pictures of it on the Facebook group, on the Twitter feed, Instagram. You can you can check it out for yourself there. But yeah, if you want if you want to get your hands on that, we're dropping our very very fun Han Solo quiz in a couple days here. Um, so yeah, check that out. <clears throat> All right, so Corey, let's let's get into the uh, Star Wars talk here, and let's just give some congrats to Carrie Fisher for winning more Grammys posthumously than you and I will win in our entire lives combined. So she won a Grammy this evening on Sunday for Best Spoken Word Album for the Princess Diarist. How about that? That's amazing. Like honestly, like I'm super intrigued. Like it's it's kind of on the list, I guess, but now it it moves several notches up, and now it also indicates that, like, it's not only because uh, there there is a book about it, right? But now, obviously, you gotta you gotta listen to Carrie do it, and I mean that's definitely on the the bucket list. I mean, I love her so much, and for her to have won a Grammy, like I'm sure she she just seems so honest, genuine, and true while speaking. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I definitely want to hear it. You know, I did a a tally of all the all the books and trade paperbacks that I have on my li- like on my shelves, the things that I currently own that I have not read, and it's just shameful. It's ridiculous. Like I have, and just this is just the tip of the iceberg. I still have I have Guardians of the Wills, Rebel Rising. Uh, I'd never finished from a certain point of view. That's just Star Wars stuff. And then I have uh, three unread Daredevil trade paperbacks, uh, five editions of East of West in, tra- East of West in trade, uh, seven editions of Saga. All this is unread. Things I've bought and never even cracked the cover on. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man Omnibus, eight X-Men trade paperbacks, and there's a bunch of other non-fiction stuff, books that, I, that I've picked up and never read. If you ever want to get rid of some of that stuff, you know where to, I, you can bring it over here and I'll never read it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but actually you'd be quite proud of me this week. Uh, what did I read? Uh, I read Son of Dathomir, uh, which was oh, so cool. Like such a good, like getting back into after a few, uh, not reading Star Wars comics for a while, but read that. And then I read uh, probably, I think, what uh, issue eight of um, Dr. Aphra. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's that's another one. I have Doctor Aphra in trade. Haven't read that yet. Oh, it's so fun. It's really, really fun. Like honestly, like 
No, she's a fantastic I'm really character. Having... She's really, really, really good. Like she sold me just from. I mean, she's popped up on in the main title here and there, and every time she's in it, she's sort of the she steals the show. And she certainly she was she was really magnetic in the Screaming Citadel arc. So I was like, oh, enough. I need to I need to just dive in with with both feet with this character. So yeah, another trade that's sitting on the shelf that I have not read. I think that should raise highly on your list, man. Like make that a priority. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do that really, really soon. I mean, trade comic trade paperbacks are are easier to get through, but yet the the, the pile just keeps growing because I have new stuff coming in all the time that I want to break down and deal with on on journals of the willing. Yeah, so I don't know. Happy to have all this stuff, but boy, oh boy. Lots of reading to do. <laughs> yeah, I I know the I know the feeling. Yeah, but no, yeah. my 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 mountain of stuff to read pales in comparison to yours. Yeah, probably. But some of it again, like a lot of my stuff, I probably won't even read. <laughs> but I know Star Wars wise, like honestly, like this week I read oof, Son of Dathomir has four comics, so I I read twelve comics this week, you know, and that was probably in like a three four days maybe. That's that's good progress. Keep it going. You yeah. got to get the momentum. The hardest part is starting. Now you just got to keep going. Now, now the problem is rifling through all these boxes and getting organized. <laughs> Read first, organize later. All right. So, first little tiny bit of news. There's actually no news this week. It's really kind of it's dead. It's so dead out there. Uh, but the first thing that popped up that I want to talk about is this rumored Han Solo runtime of 143 minutes. Now, I don't know where the source of this it comes from. I just thought it bandied about all week. So I want I wanted to talk about that. How do, how do you feel Let's about talk that? about it. I feel amazing about that. I think that's great runtime. I think it runs right into the range of Star Wars. It's actually a little long, I would think. Uh, uh, Last Jedi being the longest one of them all at uh, two hours, 30 minutes. This is... Not too far away from that mark. This this but, that makes it the second longest Star Wars movie. If it's true, if it's 143 minutes, it's the f- second longest Star Wars movie. It's one minute it's longer fall- than Attack of the Clones. Oh, there you go. It's it's right there. You know what I mean? Uh, there's a huge story to tell here. What you think like this, so? In Han Solo, yeah, dude. It's he's doing. It's like a six year time span with like all these exorbitant amount of characters, like. Uh, Chewie, Lando, like who else? Who else knows what's going on? The Castle Run, we know that. Like, there's all kinds of time that needs to be taken here. Like, uh, I, I think that I, I mean, I obviously I have no idea what Han Solo is about yet, aside from that super vague synopsis. But I think Rogue One was telling a bigger story than Han Solo will tell, right? Or, or at least I mean, a more th- important one to the to the overall galactic narrative, right? Yes, this is more a character ba- character driven story. Very self contained. Like I don't know that there's there's gonna be no implications really to the outside galaxy, I don't think. Not really. I think, you know, maybe a star destroyer or two might come down. Who knows? You know, Han's just gonna make his name known throughout the galaxy. Uh he's gonna become solo. And it's it's gonna be awesome, and I'm really stoked for this movie. But, like, again, there's, there's so much going on. Like, think about it. Like, uh, the ages, from what we heard, I think this is confirmed information as well, 18 to 24. Well, Lucasfilm has never said that. Hmm. I don't think. 
Unless it was part of that call with Bob Iger way back when, when we, when he told us we, because I, I remember discussing that. Oh, oh, this is what months. we think. I mean, I think we believe the movie's going to start with some sort of prologue with a young Han Solo, maybe part of the Empire, and then his escape from the Empire. And the movie will fast forward six years, and he's he's sort of uh, this this vagabond twisting in the wind who who runs into the. Uh, clutches of of Woody Harrelson's character and just going around doing nefarious things, right? Hmm. So I I thought for sure that was something from Lucasfilm when we were discussing it. I I, I can't remember, but hmm, that changes. It's possible. Things. I mean, it's <laughs> the the official news on this movie has been so far apart that I don't I can't clearly remember anymore what's real and what's not. Maybe they want it that way. Anyway, it's it. For my money, like 143 minutes, it sounds a little bit long for what, in my brain, this movie is. Which I, I I'm, I'm open to being wrong. I, I, in fact, I hope I'm wrong. But I always took this movie as being almost, almost like a, almost like a straight up action movie. And that's one hour 40 or 143 minutes is really long for an action movie. So there's obviously a lot more going on. I just, I just wonder if it's too much or if, if the story is meaty enough uh but you know i, I really think they're gonna sho- like shove everything into this movie and not even bother with a sequel sequel regardless of of how well it does I mean, unless they have massive success and people just just are dying for more Aaron reich as han solo i gotta imagine that it's a one and done and they're just gonna put every easter egg every wink they're just packing this movie. It's almost it might even border on nauseating with all the winks. But uh, yeah, anything else you want to say on that? I'm I'm again I'm excited. But uh, have you have you heard also that uh, supposedly another rumor out there is that it's not uh, going to be titled. It's not going to be associated more or less in the title with Star Wars when it uh, comes out in China. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be called Ranger Solo now. Yeah, I think they're I think they're just, just pretty funny. It's, it is kind of funny. It's a little bit odd, but it's it's also smart because it, you're having trouble getting traction in the second largest market cinema market in the world. You gotta you gotta you gotta change something up. It's not whatever you're doing is not working, and I think moviegoers in China might feel either either the themes of Star Wars just missed the mark with them, and it's never gonna catch on, or it's it's just too intimidating. You just don't know where to start. You feel like you've missed too much. It's you know, I think the guys at the nerd room spoke about it last week, and it's it's the perfect na- analogy. Like someone coming to comics now, and they see that you're at issue like seven hundred, you're like, whoa, okay, forget this. I'm out. I don't know where to start. It's it, I've missed way too much. I I can't be bothered. What's it? They, they for sad reasons they just don't uh, have that connection. There's like a big disconnection with the, I don't know what, what Star Wars is, I guess. Like it's uh, when it first came out and all that. So I don't know. It really never took roots over there, which again, is kind of sad because I was really hoping for those box office numbers to bolster the the last Jedi. That didn't happen. No. <laughs> didn't work out at all for them. That's it. They got to call, uh, it's got to be, they got to advertise Han Solo as kind of like a fast and furious in space. Yeah, they they really like Fast and Furious, don't they? <laughs> they really like those movies. That's why they keep getting made. 
Oh boy. Anyway, so yeah, 143 minutes. That's again, it's it's it gives it makes me wonder about the tone and pacing of the movie. Because I, again, like I said, I just I thought this would be sort of a quick paced action oriented movie. But at that, if it if it's if it is that, and it is that for 143 minutes, our head is going to be spinning by the time we leave that theater. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. To me, this is no shock. Like, I don't know why. Now, like, you got me all confused. I, I was convinced there was a six-year time span in this film. So, looking at it from that angle, I'm like, yeah, for sure. There's so much room there. Like, again, like, well, in my mind, it is. It is. I and all the people we talk to, I think it is for them too. I just the only thing I I don't want I don't mean to confuse you or anybody. I just I'm, I just don't remember if Lucasfilm confirmed that or not. But I think we've heard enough that it makes it pretty much official. We should ask our archivist, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> she goes through the episodes. To the archives. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, let's hope for the best. In about a week, we will have, hopefully, a, a Patriot's loss, followed by a Han Solo trailer to talk about. Yeah, and I hope <laughs> this trailer gets people roaring, man, like... Even just the, the general audience, because I don't know, like a lot of people are just talking smack about this film and, you know, that it's going to flop at the box office. And, you know, I'm, uh, as, a, as a fan, like I always do feel a little worried for something like that. Like if I don't like the film, fine, whatever. But uh, I don't know. I just well, how, how does how do you define a Star Wars flop when, when it doesn't make a billion dollars? Is that the bar for flop now? I think it's going to be like for me, in my head canon, maybe like five hundred million total. Yeah, global five hundred mil. Yeah, that would qualify as a flop. I think. Yeah, but I no, I think it'll do better than that. I think, I mean, I it's still too uh, until we see something. I think it's too soon to say, but uh, I mean, we see something in terms of a trailer, obviously. But I think it's going to surpass eight hundred mil. Maybe do. Well, I, I think, think I, I, I don't know if, if it, I'll be surprised if it hits a billion. And again, I say that without having seen the trailer. But uh, right now, I'm going to say about 850, maybe 900. That's it. My intuition's kind of telling me the same thing, but it's like, as a Star Wars fan, it's like you always, even The Last Jedi, Jedi was super hopeful that it's just going to like smash the box office. And it, they do, but I'm talking about it in a serious, serious way. But I don't know, it's going up against a lot this summer. I mean, we've got Infinity War, Deadpool is coming out right around the same time. That's going to steal a pretty large chunk of the adult audience. Oh, yeah, it's it's got challenges, no doubt. That's why I think you need to just suppress. I mean, 500 mil is really low, but uh, yeah, I'm th- I, I don't think it's... You know what, this is what, ha- what will happen. If it doesn't do a billion, people will start, all, all the same clickbait sites will start Oh, there it is! It's it's flopping. Star Wars is dying. You didn't this one? The first one to not do a billion. You can just take that to the bank. Oh, who knows? I I got my fingers crossed, and you know I'm just hoping for a good experience for us as well, and us being fans, like everybody being fans, like it's the first time ever we're gonna have a film, not even six months after the last. I know, and. I still don't know how I feel about that. It's it's it might be too much 
at the same time, you know, drinking from the fire hose, so to speak, it's it's a little bit much. <laughs> yeah, I like that analogy. I kind of I'm on the same page. Like we were talking back in the day about how if they started transitioning into this saga standalone for December and May releases every year, then I I feel like we're being it's getting crammed down our throat, you know. Oh, I'm sure we'll we'll get through it just fine. Thank you very much for this one one off. But yeah, if it, if they were doing two a year, oh god. At that point, you I mean, okay, fine. You it's it's one thing with the movies, but when you're talking Star Wars, it always it it's always more than that, right? It's always dovetails into collecting, and I would not be able to handle the collecting aspect of of fandom with two movies a year. It, I just would not be able to swing it. Well, not only that, I mean, we got this animated series series now that like I'm super invested in, and it's coming to a close. But there's a collecting part of that as well, and just the fact that like my attention's very focused on that at the same time, like you spread yourself too thin, man. And books, books and comics. I mean that that stuff <laughs> is is not cheap. Like a, a novel can cost you anywhere from fifteen to thirty five bucks. And if you pay for the audiobook, it's even more. You know what I mean? Like it's it it can really rip a hole in your wallet big time. So I I hope we just stick with the one release a year. And uh that that will be just fine. And just let these movies breathe a little bit. Cuz you know, we're still wondering where is this Han Solo trailer? Why are they not talking about it? And I don't know if if some of the blowback from the last Jedi has impacted their marketing plans for Han Solo, or if we just want to say, no, no, they know exactly what they're doing, and this has been the plan all along. I don't know. It seems very strange to be at this point and not seeing anything at all from from Lucasfilm about Han Solo. Like, nothing. (laughs) Really nothing. Not a publicity shot. Uh, Wow, nothing, right? Yeah, they're they're just playing it cool, man. They're they're biding their time. It's maybe that's part of the marketing strategy as well. I think Troy was saying that over in the room as well. That you know the the not talking about it is getting everyone talking, right? Sure. If there's any way to? I guess there's definitely lots of ways to look at it. And there's pros and pros and cons, no matter what avenue you take. Uh, and it could just be like we just need to let the Last Jedi run its course. And in this case, I think there's there's a little probably a little more negativity than they'd like. I'd say that facetiously. There's probably a lot more negativity than they'd like surrounding the movie. So maybe they just want to let things cool down just a little bit before they start cranking it back up to 11 on the marketing machine. Yeah, not only that, like this film itself, Han Solo, has gone through its share of trouble as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the the budget, the budget's pretty much been doubled. Yep. Which that's, <laughs> that people are going to take that into consideration now, you know, too. Absolutely. Anyway, so like... I, it may have sounded like I was complaining that Han Solo was rumored to be 143 minutes. I'm really not. If you wanted to make it 183 minutes, I still won't complain. As far as I'm concerned, the longer the better. It just it it sort of conflicts a little bit with the tone and pacing and and focus of the movie that I had in my head. But again, I'm okay to have have that shattered. Go go right ahead, Ron Howard. All right, Corey. So last summer. Talking about vague movie synopsis. This was the official synopsis from The Last Jedi. And I just want to get your opinion on this. 
So the synopsis was, in Lucasfilm's Star Wars The Last Jedi, the Skywalker saga continues as the heroes of The Force Awakens join the galactic legends in an epic adventure that unlocks age-old mysteries of the Force and shocking revelations of the past. Star Wars The Last Jedi opens in U.S. theaters December 15th, 2017. Was that followed through upon? Was The Last Jedi honest to that synopsis? From a certain point of view, yes, but loosely, and I'll kind of elaborate on that because I actually had to think about this quite a bit and I was actually like thinking about the fact that I know if I listened to past pods, uh, I was freaking out when I was hearing this kind of stuff. My head cannon was going left, right, like all over the place, man. Like people can attest to that. Like, and the fodder was there. Like, this is so incredibly meaty to me. Uh, but when you actually kind of look at it, because I had kind of forgotten about it, right, with the with the hype of the movie. Sure. So looking back on it, it's these shocking revelations of the past. A couple of things there. When you really look at the film, uh, maybe race parentage. Nobody's. Okay. Not all that shocking. I was kind of going down that route in the first place anyhow. Well, let me uh, just jump right in for a second. I 100% of fandom. I would think let's just let's back that off to ninety nine point nine. We'll leave we'll leave the exception that small minute percentage for the exception, but the vast overwhelming majority of people think that when you when you say the past, you're talking about like another era, right? You're not talking about ten years ago when Ray was little. You're not talking about five years ago when Luke tried to kill Ben or thought about killing that's Ben. That's it. Well, that's definitely the other option anyhow. Right, exactly. Um, it kind of does lead that route though because like, look, we got shocking revelations of the past and age-old mysteries. You can kind of tie them together or kind of separate them as two because th- this one, I, I, it's an acceptable loophole for me <laughs> the way they worded it. <laughs> of course it is. Because there was some thought, there's some good stuff there. I mean, come on. Uh, like you said, the second one is Luke uh, facing Kylo there and about to to take him out. Yeah, and in a, in a like pure that's... game of semantics, that's a pretty shocking revelation of the past, even though we're only talking about five years ago. Eh. Ugh, I don't know. The disconnecting himself from the Force as well was a big one. But again, five years ago, I mean, that's... that's... God, that... think about five years ago. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't all that long ago, you know. I don't know I, that well, that one. If you want, like you said, if, if you want to, from a certain point of view, loophole that one. Okay. Yeah, that that one's digestible for me, anyhow. Okay, so what about the other half of that? Uh, you know, I I have a hard time with that one, just because <laughs> of the way that they were leading us down that path. Uh, by the nose. So my antici- uh, anticipation levels, again, were so high. Well, this is what got and us talking I, about prophecies, right? And, oh, what did they talk about thousands of years ago with the Force and the Jedi and the Sith? And, oh, my God, the prophecy, this, yeah, that, and the other. We He needs Rey, the key, the temple. Uh, why Acto? Why is he there? What's he up to? Who is Snow? What did he learn like, at that temple? How- like, our, Everybody's mind was racing in a thousand different directions. Yeah, that's it. Like. Uh, that's 
kind of my beef with that really like i i I've, i'm huge on the force you know some things probably are better left unsaid because it's it's hard to write about the force without writing yourself into a corner but uh what they did with this film anyhow is they really opened the force up in a big way which we'll get to in a bit but really i mean other if you didn't read the the art of when you see this Jedi Prime guy, like that's the only thing that's kind of like an age old mystery, but we don't even see it in the film. We see it for like a split second. Yeah, it's, it's island, background material. It's all the the whole entire island, that's it. There's so much cool mysticism there. You know I love my mysticism. But like we it's only imagery in a way. You you really learn nothing about it, which is kind of a bit upsetting. Like I really wanted to know more about the force from this film and I I thought the all the puzzle pieces were there to give it to us um, from that regard. You know, when you're thinking again of the first Jedi Temple and Snoke, uh, all this, the books, we saw the books, the forest tree was like, oh my God, this is going to be like these revelations. But the only real thing that I can kind of tie it into is the lessons that Ray learned. Those can kind of be the age old mysteries. But... <sighs> Uh, come on. <laughs> I, I think hey, at granted, best look, you can uh, say the synopsis kind of oversold what what we were getting in that aspect. Yes, it did. For, for especially for someone like me, like I'm, I'm again, like so, I so highly anticipated like this lore, all this stuff, and uh, yeah, we really we didn't get that much i have a feeling we'll find out more about the force in the season the last six episodes of rebels than we will in the last jedi kind of well not necessarily because the lessons that he teaches ray are pretty important <laughs> they were but un unlocking age-old mysteries of the force eh. oh yeah all signs pointed to like some crazy cataclysmic like almost like a twilight of the apprentice thing where like holocrons were merging or his temples were opening and yeah, we we I think we we were waiting for that really seismic shift in in force lore, and 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 when we got the announcement that Ryan Johnson was getting another trilogy, well then it, that was another piece that snapped into place. Like, oh my goodness, here we go. That's that whatever this lore is will be the bedrock of his trilogy. Well, and it still is in a way. Like, think about the way. Uh, again, this is going to kind of lead into Ray's lessons again, but think about that. Like, he's opened the Force up in a huge way, a huge way in this film. Uh, it's no longer bound by certain laws and stuff like that. Like, he's really painted a grander picture of what it could be and what it should be and what it can be and what it has been, maybe, you know? Yeah, well, they, they keep expanding force capabilities with each subsequent movie and he yeah i mean with luke's force projection he took that to a whole new level yeah the the force facetiming force facetime yoda calling down the lightning from the great beyond that's that's a pretty poignant one too but anyway i i, I yeah. give this that synopsis synopsis guy i give it a, a fail a straight up fail <sighs> i cannot give that a pass and i know there are people that will apologize for anything that gets written saying, no, this is it, and this is why it makes sense. Nope, you cannot pass that for me. Yeah, to, the, to me neither, in a way, kind of. Uh, I'm giving it a, 
a D minus, so it's a pass, but it's like a fifty percent. You're, 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 yeah. And coming from Corey, you're one. You're, sometimes you're one of those people that it's it's always sunshine and rainbows, and they can do no wrong. That, that's a pretty that's a pretty harsh score. Yeah, because again, like I'm all about that, you know, like just that age old stuff, and I was really hoping to like. I don't know. Just see something crazy. Like now, Rebels got my hopes up with Mortis and all that. Watch out now. You bring Mortis into the picture, and yeah, it seems like you you kind of have to do something pretty pretty special there. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's the kind of force I'm loving, man. Like astral planes and like what's going on. Well, then the trick becomes how do you apply that to to the cinematic stuff? And I guess we'll talk about that maybe a little more in bridge of transmissions when we actually see what happens in rebels. But that's it. These, these temples and these bridges across space time are ancient now, right? Like if Ryan Johnson takes his force usage back to the day where people actually had it right, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But you know what? I, I think, I think Ryan Johnson's Ryan Johnson is his own man. I, I know they, they collaborate and there's a lot of, back and forth between Abrams and I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, Ryan has spoken with Dave Filoni but I think for the most part he he does his own thing man I think he does his own thing alright uh, I'm curious to know what you guys out there think of that synopsis was that a mislead for you or was it right on let us know alright Corey what is up next. Let's talk about Ray's third lesson. Let's, let's have a little ch- chat about that. So I, it's something that's going to be included on the Blu-ray as a deleted scene. So I don't, I don't want to go into the specifics of that. I don't, you know, it's a bit of a spoiler, and I don't think we need to really blow that up here. Um, but I've, I haven't even looked at it yet, to be honest. Well, it's, it's there's a small little snippet of it out there. If you, oh, I've, I've heard the boat scene. Yeah, let's, let's let's just leave I just, it at I that. I didn't read the article. Though. There, there's a couple yeah. lines of dialogue out there available if you want to see it, but I, I don't want to talk about the specifics. I, I just want to talk about how a, a big deal was made of it being included in the novelization this week um, on the Star Wars show. Like a big deal. I've never seen a movie novelization pumped this hard. Have you? Yeah, no, I mean, what? other movie has its own show <laughs> no but i mean even the, like the rogue one novelization tfa novelization i remember when these novels got released and they made mention of them all but this is like they're going out of their way to push this novel and i, I well maybe just because there's a lot of a lot of stuff in it that's not in the movie no no doubt i mean han's funerals in this in the novelization yeah i heard that uh, there's, there's gonna be a bunch of stuff uh, more Rose and Page together, which I I can't wait to see or read. Um, but they've also included Ray's third lesson in the novelization. So, but it's it's something that obviously we did not see in the Last Jedi. So my question to you is: Does this mean because because they're making it such a big deal of this, and they're really trying to get people to buy this novel to read this content? Like, does it mean that her third lesson is going to remain canon in the pages of the novel? Or is having that lesson play out on screen too tantalizing 
or important for J.J. Abrams to pass up in nine? Like, so the question is, will we never see the third lesson play out on screen? Or will J.J. say, to hell with it, I want to put that third lesson in the movie. To hell with your novel. Where do you think this goes? I kind of went down the rabbit hole a bit on this one. Um, really? I think... The, well, first of all, the, these lessons were really awesome, man. Like, I think it's all still open in the end, though. Uh, yeah. I mean, unless they've changed the rules over at Lucasfilm. I, I think novelizations are subject to being overwritten in certain aspects. And it's like the, the stuff that appears on screen is gospel. But beyond that, it's almost like they encourage you to look at everything beyond that as, as soft canon. That is it's, it can change if we want it to. <clears throat> so I don't know. I think it's, it's, it feels well, incomplete, uh, right? It, it'll feel incomplete to me if Luke says three at uh, dawn, three lessons, and blah blah blah, and then we only get two of them, and the third is never addressed, except for in this novelization that ninety nine percent of Star Wars fans won't read. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think it's almost a hook to buy this book, and it to me personally, like it it has to remain canon. Like, it's in the novelization now. Like, people will hold their feet to the fire for that. Well, yeah, I mean, lest they be confused, uh, accused of, oh, look, at you guys tried to squeeze the lemon and, and sold this book to fandom hard. Like, you gave it a hard sell on the back of this deleted scene and raised third lesson. And now you're writing that out. Yeah, it's, it's kind of lame, to be honest. Uh, I really would have liked to have seen it in the film, not having known that it will be a deleted scene and it, that, that it was in the novelization. We had talked about it prior and saying like, ooh, this third lesson is going to be a doozy, right? But we still don't, or I, don't I don't know what it is anyhow. Um, but, I mean, it to me, pending how, what the third lesson is, like, it could possibly be loopholed as well. <laughs> a bonus lesson in episode nine? Well, to me, like the, the way things are going uh, from what we know of the first two lessons in that, you know, Luke's kind of teaching her about the light and the dark, right? And The force does not, uh, or the, the light does not belong to the Jedi. Yeah. Like, but it's interesting at the same time, like, because Rey is awakened because like, think about it, like Luke's cut himself off. The force figures out a way, like it pretty much like raise on steroids basically with the force right like it just awakens in her it just happens like it's always been there but it's 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 in hyperdrive right now and it's to meet that dark like she's kind of like the chosen one to to rise to meet the dark so uh, i don't know it's just i i see this whole thing the way it's it's, it's coming together now it's like it's re reshaping the way the Force is meant to be. Because like Luke says in his second lesson that the, the Jedi were flawed. Like their their way of looking at things wasn't really. Uh, it was too regimented, or, or you know, like it was it was too cut off from reality almost in a way. Well, I mean, the Jedi were so full of themselves. 
They were so cozy in their ivory tower that it was it was too easy to corrupt them. And of course, that you know the What's rot it? was was taking place over a long period of time as as Sidious kind of worked his magic over time. But yeah, that that was the deal with 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 that. It was. But it looks like some of their philosophies and stuff, the way that they regarded things, was, you know, again, like the like it's either if you're a force user, you should be a Jedi, kind of. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't any other real, unless you went under the radar, like you know, there wasn't other like they wouldn't put that use to other purposes. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I I, I see Ray. You know, again, we don't know what these, what's in these books, but I, I see Ray and everything that she's learned and heard. Like she's like the prodigy, man. Like she's still going to be a Jedi, but she's going to reinterpret things and, you know, kind of like instinctually do what's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Ray seems to just be pure good. Like she's done. I think any 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 talk of. Ray going dark is gone. It, it, I think it would make zero sense if she suddenly flops in episode nine to, to the dark side. I think that ship has sailed. Anyway, we're we're diverting too far from the path here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like this, it could be. I I thought that with the way things have gone, with Luke being dead now, that he would come back as a Force ghost in episode nine to either teach her that lesson directly or. Uh, because because Rey is so powerful and she's going to fulfill this quest of hers, that she'll actually complete it, and then Luke will say, "Oh, by the way, that was lesson number three. Like, and and be surprised and proud of her for having figured it out on her own without needing him to even tell it. Yeah, that would be amazing. Something like that, you know, like. Yeah, but again, you do that, and then the novelization well, again. Looks I, like, again, it looks like. You tries to squeeze the lemon a little too hard. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, the film was really long as is. Uh, to fit in another oof, that uh, third lesson can be kind of you know it's a good oof. that would take a couple of minutes to bang out. Well, I, I think the reason so. it was cut, you know, as much as it may have been for time, it was also cut because it made Luke Luke look more even more like a jerk. And I think they were they were saying, uh, really, eh? this is it's this is too much. <laughs> We've made Luke look too bad." But it sounds like they're really? pushing forward with that idea with with this novelization, which I find a little bit strange because if that's the linchpin of your you know your offering around this book, and then you subvert that by putting lesson number three in episode nine, uh, I think you open yourself up to some valid criticism at that point. Yeah, yeah, you can't, uh, if it's in the novelization, if it was a deleted scene, fine, whatever, up for grabs. But now that it's written in canonical literature, like, it's game over, baby. And again, depending what's written, I haven't read it, uh, maybe there's room to play there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, knowing what I know about the deleted scene, I don't think so. But we'll see. We know these writers can write their way out of any corner they want to so we'll see all right and at this point we welcome james back into the fold hello sir 
Hey guys, sorry I'm late, but uh, glad to join you. Corey's all fired up, uh, ready to talk about flat Earth and stuff. But uh, what are we jumping into next? <laughs> yeah, a little, a little uh, behind the curtains, Corey was getting all fired up about uh, flat Earthers. So maybe, maybe some more on that on on Sith disturbers later this week. Yeah, it definitely had something about punching people in the face in there too. <laughs> that is that is Sith disturber stuff. All right, last up on the news menu here. Um, Four Oscar nominations for The Last Jedi, so congrats to the team on that. Uh, up for an Oscar, original score, John Williams, visual effects, and there's a whole team behind that. Uh, ben Morris, Mike Mulholland, Chris Corbold, and Neil Scanlon. Sound editing, Matthew Wood and Ren Kleiss. And sound mixing for Stuart Wilson, Ren Kleiss, David Parker, and Michael Semanic. Do you guys feel like that covers it, or... I mean, it's it's hard to say, especially these technical categories. I have no idea what these things mean. Anything? Does anything else here from any aspect deserve a nod to you guys? I think so, in a way. I mean, it could be just high hopes being a Star Wars fan, but I think the movie was heavy enough that uh, Mark Hamill put on a hell of a performance, as did uh, Adam Driver. So they could have got some nods, maybe. As supporting? Um, yeah, I think uh, possibly best screenplay as well could have got a nod. Hmm. Do do screenplays of middle chapters get nods? Like they feel incomplete on either end. Well, he wanted this film to feel like a movie on to its own, and in my opinion, it kind of did. No, it sure. Yeah, it kind of did. He kind of wrapped up a lot of things. Well, it just I don't know. Just recently, I've been reading a lot of different stuff and just the nuances within the film and a lot of stuff you don't see the first second or third time around and you know maybe some people even grasping at straws but i don't think so in the sense that you know the the visual overtones the imagery coinciding with the themes like you can't pick up on that in the first couple times you know what i mean like it needs to be kind of over time you kind of mold those things over and then when you look back and you say holy cow that's amazing like the sun setting just when this happens or some things aren't exactly thrown right in your face the first time around. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Just the the, lang- the visual language of the movie. Yeah, like subtle subtle themes like that. I think those are really playful. And again, like the the cinematography behind behind it all, I think was really there were so many captivating and beautiful shots that maybe a, a nod in that uh, direction as well. But you know, I'm not part of the guild and. I didn't see a lot of the other the movies on the list either. So, did you see uh, Dunkirk? I did not. I have not either. See, but I wanted. When, whenever I'm I think about God. the acting, which which there were some strong performances uh, in the Last Jedi for sure. I can't argue that. Um, but if if then I think about Dunkirk and I, I go, yeah, that's just one other movie, one other example. But there's there was some stuff. There are some other movies out there where where the performances are so strong that you. You sort of look at the last Jedi and go like, mm, "It's too bad that they didn't give." If 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 they gave gave Mark Hamill more screen time, maybe he would have worked himself up into the same conversation. But like you said, I got gotcha. you. Like you said, Kyle, you know, he he only really could qualify for supporting, and uh, I don't know if he had enough meat uh, on on the on the bones of the script that he had. That that's how I feel about the, almost everybody in the movie. Like everybody, yeah. I can't really say that somebody was lead in this movie. It just seems like everybody's time was split up relatively evenly that almost everybody was supporting 
I'm glad you guys are kind of saying that because I was thinking the same thing in a way. I'm like, can I consider it? I'm like, I can't. I can't mark Mark Hamill down as a as a supporting actor. Like he's got to be one of the main leads. But no, you're right. Like usually there should be like one or two leads. Uh, so yeah, he, they can be considered supporting actors as well. In well, a way. I think Lucasfilm submitted Mark Hamill for lead, in which you, you have no chance. I mean, it, it's a, it's nice as a show of support to your guy. But you had they had no chance of even you know, getting I nominated. I could be pulling this out of my rear, and I guess I could look it up as I'm saying this, but I think um, Anthony Hopkins won best lead for Silence of the Lambs, and I think that's like the the winner with the least amount of lines. Like, he has hardly any in that movie. You know, a lot more screen time and, and uh, st- you know, uh, face acting. Right. But he, he really didn't say a lot in that movie. And I'm pretty sure that's like the record for I, – I don't know why I think that. I think I saw something recently because the Oscars are in the news. You know what's amazing though? If you think about that film, like you think of Anthony Hopkins right away. Oh, no doubt. I mean that's like a career-defining role for him. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. If, you know. I guess they could have always thrown you know, typical costuming, makeup type things at The Last Jedi, but – for the four that they got, that's, this is kind of par for the course, right? The, the sound editing and sound mixing, the, the, those two things that I can never tell apart. James, I think you were able to effectively do that last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the visual effects, that was a foregone conclusion. Original score, of course. Uh, yeah, cinematography, I would have liked to have seen a nod. But again, that's another thing that if it means like number of nice shots then certainly I would think that it could have been there. But it must be so much more than just nice shots, right? Yes. Um, I'll say, I'll defend, like, I, I I could easily try to find negative things to say since my opinion of the movie isn't as high as yours. Um, but I can de- I can defend, too. It's, like you said, the, being the middle movie of a trilogy, it seems to be the Academy um, holds back awards Till the whole thing's done, and then if the whole thing is good, they they. I guess I'm basing this on the, what happened with the Lord of the Rings, but yeah, seriously, that that was a shame, man. Well, I don't know if it was a shame. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, don't get. I, I love that they stole the uh, the Oscars that year, but it was I mean, it was my least favorite of the three movies, personally. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Me, myself as well. Like, but all to say that I think for the Last Jedi, the, the same sort of logic is going to apply to a lot of voters, especially since that's like set precedent now um, with the last you know major trilogy sort of working out that way. So I think it could, if it's going to win more Academy Awards and more categories, it'll be after the next one. That's, that's then fair. again, that's fair logic. To interrupt, to, to, to argue with myself, as I said that it was one director last time, so they could sort of hold accolades and save it for him at the end. Whereas this time, that you know, the last guy is going to reap all the rewards if that's the way it works out. Yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings was a unique achievement in the way that the whole way they tackled that that trilogy of just filming it yeah. back to back to back. And I don't know that it's been yeah, done unprecedented. since. So I think they just said like, what you did was just is just so far beyond what anyone's ever done for a set of movies like really it's one seamless you know, nine hour movie mm-hmm. and so here you go have have a few awards for that M- most most films you know they take a, a bit of a hiatus for a year year and a half well that's, that's what i mean like he just like went full bore for like a good few years in, in getting this movie off the ground and filmed and all that stuff 
that for sure, like because of the unique nature of its production and and the eventual result, which was spectacular. Yeah, here you go. You may not ever see this again, so you, you get a few, you get some hardware to take home with you. But anyway. Yeah, they cleaned up. They cleaned up for sure, and de- uh, deservedly so. But yes, I, Return of the King is is my least favorite of, of the three, I think, as well. Uh, but do you, do you guys foresee any victory speeches in Lucasfilm's future? To be honest, if anything, realistically, I think uh, possibly score, original score. And even that's going to be hard to beat. Uh, there's a lot of, like, man, Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> even that, what? The, the Sound of Water, I think, has 13 noms? I have no idea. <laughs> Beyond these four nominations here, I have no clue. No clue. Hang on. UrbanDictionary.com. Noms. <laughs> Corey. I'm just putting Come it. Come on, man. I'm putting in an entry for you. <laughs> uh, um, uh, before we move on from the... I, I just don't want to lose, lose these two thoughts. I wanted to ask you guys about cinematography, which Corey mentioned. As beautiful as, that, as some of the shots in this movie were... Do you, if you had to pick between this one and The Force Awakens, which one had better cinematography? Hmm. Well, I guess we'll have we'll have more to say on that uh, very shortly. Yeah. Okay. So we can we can pause that and and come back to that exact question. And the second thing I wanted to say was uh, the definition you were you were um, hearkening to from last year is sound mixing is what you hear. Excuse me. Is is how it sounds? Like so, what you're when you're watching the movie, how it sounds is sound mixing and what you hear is sound editing. So the choice of like footstep sound effects and faucet and, you know, all of the, all of the things you're actually hearing that's sound editing and how it sounds is sound mixing. I don't know why that's important to me to get out there, but <laughs> they're, they're, I, mean, I did it again this little, year. I, th- I, I bet you a lot of people don't know the difference. I, I don't, it's, it's hard to like distinguish even. And my definition is, mostly accurate but even i don't think it, it works to, to describe it to everybody but that's what it how it works fair enough yeah I, i'm predicting zero wins and i you know it's it's i feel like it's safe to go with john williams but i i and again although i've said it before the, the score for the last jedi is among my favorites and might be my favorite star wars score it leans so hard on music that he wrote 40 years ago or 30 years ago 35 years ago whatever like he's not going to win for that. There's there's not enough new stuff on that score for him to win. Who's who's getting the lifetime achievement award this year? Because one year it'll be him if he hasn't hasn't gotten it already, and then he'll win that the Oscar that he's nominated for that year too. It seems like he's got a score at the Oscars every single year. Isn't it like his fifty first nomination? Is that the number? I think so. Like that's just absurd. Uh, I know that what I just said maybe sounds sacrilege, but. When you think of it, think of all the great moments in the score, like Leia's theme and Yoda's theme, uh, Luke and Leia's theme, uh, the, the Resistance stuff, Rey's theme, Jedi steps. It's all established music. There's nothing super new coming out of this movie that would set it apart and say, oh, that this is Oscar worthy. Anyway, my take. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. If he's up there accepting an Oscar for his score for The Last Jedi, I will be ecstatic. I wouldn't say that that's a hot take, but it is lukewarm <laughs> that's all right i'm okay with lukewarm takes especially on a star wars podcast all right we will now jump into 
the binary sunset, or force projections, if you will. Uh, and we'll kick things off with ads. Evening, boys. Uh, ads here from the Green Door podcast. Uh, and another question uh, this week for the two stroke three of you to to have a think about. Um, I'm going to email you something to go along with this question. But in light of the recent Oscar nominations, I would like you to provide me with your choice of Oscar winners if it was just Star Wars films that were in the running. Have a think. Uh, Hopefully have some fun, and I will look forward to listening. See you next week. Take care. Bye. And there he goes. It is ads. Putting us in... He's, he's, he's cooked up another awesome game for us. And this, is, this was a lot of fun to think about. So, from any of the Star Wars films, guys, we get to choose our own Star Wars Oscars. And I, I cut out a couple categories. Ads gave us a big, long list of, of categories that we could go with. Some of them, I just... I can't, in good conscience, say, I think this is the winner in this category, because I just don't know what they mean. So I'll, I'll run down... We'll go, we'll go down itemized here, and you guys throw me, throw me your answers. And I feel like we could spend an entire podcast on this alone, so we'll try and be fairly brief. Okay, Corey, I'll start with you. Best picture. Oh, should we work up? Should we work our way up to best picture? Of course, you can't start with the yeah. big gun like that. What am I thinking? Okay. Okay, so we'll start. I'll go to the, I'll go to the bottom of the list and work my way up. So, Corey, what is your Oscar winner in Star Wars animated fare? Hmm. Got to go. Got to go with Rebels, man. Oh, you got to go with Rebels. I, I figured you would do that. How can you not? Come on. I didn't. I didn't. Of course you didn't. Of course you didn't. <laughs> James, what did you go with? I went with Clone Wars. I went, so did I. The Oscar goes to Clone Wars for me. It's You got to go with it just based on the box office take. And uh, that's not why things should win awards. But boy, that thing cleaned up. And people seem to... The people who watch both, honestly, Corey, don't you find the people who watch both in general prefer Clone Wars? Well, the the movie got kind of beat up. But the series, which which I gave the Oscar to, like I gave it to the six season series. Oof, that was it was so mind blowing to me and so good. It was, but they're very two different stories. Like me personally, like I, uh, to me, <laughs> it's for you, Carlos. But like I, I like the more character driven story, the intimate nature of Rebels. Whereas uh, I really appreciate the Clone Wars. Like I love it to death, you know. It's it's really hard to choose between the two, but the Clone Wars, it's it's they're painting broad strokes, kind of right. Uh, there's all kinds of different genres of cinema that they play on, which again is super cool. But you know, it's it's just there is an outlying theme going on, and you know, some super main characters, but there's a lot of stuff to go outside the boundaries, which is amazing too. But I just like Rebels, and it, Rebels isn't even over yet, so. Like, once we see the ending, we might be able to have a clearer picture. Like it could be a big flop, which I'm, you know, all signs point to no. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just, I love 
this story, this crew, the intimate nature of of the building of that rebellion, uh, what they've done with it is just hooked me like like almost no other show. Yeah, and to be enough. fair, your Twitter handle is Chop Rules with a Z, so it's not like <laughs> that, that's incorrect. But uh... <laughs> okay, uh, moving up the list to visual effects. James, what what is your Oscar winner for best visual effects? Um, the re-release of uh, A New Hope. Um, I really like, especially the scenes with Jabba. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. What he, his tail gets stepped on. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I I think you got to go with the, the the most recent movies to pick from. Like as as much as they were cutting edge back in the day, uh, when you when you look back and watch A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back or uh, even the prequels, that they the the effects just don't compare to the last couple of movies. And I went with Rogue One. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I just. I thought as much as I had some complaints about a couple of scenes in particular, it just was a slick, slick, slick mo- looking It's a really good movie. looking movie. Um, yeah, and uh, it had a couple of standout scenes, which, are, you know, got a lot of a lot of talk. But just overall, I, I think uh, if I had to pick one out, that's the one that wins. Now, I, went, I went with A New Hope just because of what was achieved at the time. Where, where they, just, they had to inve- invent it. the effects industry. I get it. Um, but yeah, the, the new movies look great across the board. Like, f- first frame to last, they look so good. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, a, a New Hope just sent shockwaves through pop culture. On on that, actually, to mention our, our friend Jeffrey, he posted a meme the other day that was like, oh, you know, people are saying the new that jokes ruin the new Star Wars movie. Well, there was a Sesame Street Muppet poking a tin can with a stick, you know? And I, I thought, oh, I get it, but at the time, those were actually cutting edge uh, in, in in props and special effects. So it's you can't say that the humor was cutting edge and, and compare the two. But um, yeah, the, the, like you said, I could see giving it the nod, even though the, not by comparison, um, the movies look like they're made in two different worlds. Absolutely. Um, at the time, yeah, they really were something. All right, best. Oh, Corey, did you give yours? Nope. But it's kind of funny you guys mentioned that. I like, kind of made a, sh- a short list for each category, right? I did too, but we don't, so we don't, have, to we don't choose have time from. to go through everybody's short list. Like our nominees and the winner is. Yeah, we we don't have three hours to be here. Well, I, either way, you kind of, kind of take it contextually. Like A New Hope for its time, totally revolutionary. Rogue One, like I like what you're saying there, James, in, in the new aspect of technology. But I'm going to go with The Phantom Menace just for the fact that i watched the the bonus material i think it was about last week or the week prior and you know just the the magnitude the sheer scale of what george wanted to do it was kind of like a new hope all over again for the 21st century you know like he kind of just like uh just said this is what i want to do and the, the scale of it all people were just like so daunted by it like oh yeah, like well we gotta create again these all these new technologies for star wars like it it really laid the foreground for a lot of stuff moving forward. Yeah, he's an ambitious guy, that George Lucas. Best score, Corey. Uh, you know, the score that sticks out to me the most is Empire Strikes Back, I guess. like I like the nuance to The Last Jedi a lot. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It always comes back to uh, Empire. 
that was my pick as well. Um, just because it, it took what was so amazing about the first score and then put in the Imperial March and put in Yoda's theme. Battle of Hoth was like 11 and a half minutes of awesome. Well, that's the thing about that. Just like quickly on that, the Battle of Hoth, like it's just, what I really like about the way John Williams, like thinking about him, like watching the movie and he's probably watching it with sound effects, right? Like he's not just watching a dead screen. So he hears an ATAT or at at walking and it's incorporated in the orchestra. Like it's right there flowing with the music when he's, when it's walking, right? It's perfect. Well, editing helps that along too. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what type of those final those, cut. those sound those sounds those sounds probably inspire him though. You know what I mean? Like the visual or the the sound effects of here's what we're going for. Here's what you, we're using. So he gets to hear that kind of stuff and possibly get inspired by it. I'm sure they at minimum tell him what these things sound like, and he if, sure he he draws inspiration from that. But I don't know that he would have gotten a, a final cut with you know finished sound effects and all that stuff. Anyway, James. Uh, Empire. Hate to agree Ooh, with Corey, sweep. but it happens sometimes. Empire sweeps best score. Holy cow. All right, let's see where we, where we land on this one. Best makeup. James, you want this one? Well, see, I took your approach from the first question, and I went with OT, whereas I could apply my own logic and say, obviously, I should be picking something from the new movies. But I went with... Um, Empire again, just because I thought the 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 way they made movies uh, at the time didn't involve monsters and and uh, villains on you know of a, a varied scale the way Star Wars had them. Every single guy looks different. Like every character looks like a different species, different race. Um, and in that movie, I thought there were some really at the time, especially when I was a kid, really cool looking characters. Very cool. And I'll never say no to Empire winning Oscars. Corey. This is makeup, right? Makeup. <sighs> Got to go with, uh, again, The Phantom Menace, man. I mean, that's just kind of like... Padme. <sighs> exactly. It's off the hip. It's the first thing that comes to mind. So that's the, how I took that. To, yeah, uh, I took Phantom Menace as well. I mean, Padme is obviously what steps out there. Although it's just it's just like a white face painting, uh, but yeah, I, I think they did some crazy stuff overall in that prequel trilogy, and so I'm giving giving some Phantom Menace love. And likewise with costume design, Phantom Menace is going to pick up a second Oscar for me there. Um, again, Padme running like at the head of that class, but every costume across the board was just so elaborate. But again, so fitting for Star Wars. So Phantom Menace gets my my Oscar win for best costume design. Corey, uh, yeah, I was right there, right till actually just a couple of minutes ago. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Return Shoot, of the sorry, Jedi. Guys, I gotta step away. One of my little guys is out of bed. Be right back. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, I, I'm gonna have to go with Return of the Jedi, man. Just because again, the the timing, the nature, the grand scale of the movie. Ewoks, Gamorrean Guards, the Rancor, the Sarlacc, all that stuff. Uh, but again, I know what you're saying in the, in the Phantom Menace because that's the first thing. That was my choice as well. Uh, again, because of Amidala. Yeah, she's but the no. first thing that jumps to mind, right? I mean, so much work. I think, was it was it uh, Trish Bigar who was the 
costume designer of Phantom Menace. Should have looked this up, but I think that's who it was. Well, either way, think of Jabba's Palace. Just Jabba's Palace alone, kind of, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's what, that's crammed in with, with, you know, three dozen crazy-looking aliens. And just Jabba himself. But now, but it, now in like everything in in the OT was sort of small scope when you look at when you look at all the shots. Like there was nothing big and wide, like like we got as as soon as we got to the prequels. Now there's big open shots as you know the soundstage as big as George could envision, and each filled with people extras wearing insane costumes. I mean, he just went to way off the charts with that. In the prequels, and I'm I'm giving Phantom Menace some love there. Uh, okay, let's step it up to cinematography. This I, this was a tough one for me because well, we just kind of spoke about it a few minutes ago. But this one for me boiled down to The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Rogue One, and I gave it to The Force Awakens. Just so much great stuff. The the crashed Star Destroyer. That we saw in, in numerous shots in each one of them. It's so impressive. Uh, the lightsaber battle in the forest at night with the snow falling. It was just, it was so good. It just, it just looked like such a good movie to kick off um, the new era of Star Wars films. What do you got, Corey? Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. I didn't mention Rogue One, but uh, The Force Awakens... Was a tie between that and the Last Jedi, and it actually went with the Last Jedi just because of the the final battle between um, the Praetorian Guard and and with Kylo. Uh, I think so much good stuff there. The fight between Kylo and Luke, uh, just the whole movie in general. I just think Ryan Johnson really, you know, he's a photographer as well. Oh, he, yeah. I mean, so, his, that movie is, looks really, really good. Yeah, I had to go. Like, I know what you mean. I knew you were going to mention the Crash Star Destroyer, and that's that's an iconic shot now at this point. Um, perfect for Star Wars. And there were so many gems and beauties in that as well, but I, I don't know. I just I felt a more deeper connection to The Last Jedi. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, now we're getting to the big ones. Best Supporting Actress. Well, I was hoping that would be one of the ones you left off your list because, I mean, who, who am I going to really yeah, you're, you're put there, act, right? I mean, yeah, the choices are, are few and far between, unfortunately, but uh, this is what we, we have to work with. Oof, God. I'll make it easy for you. I'll, I'll, I'll plow the road for you. I went with Carrie Fisher from A New Hope, just standing toe-to-toe with all those heavyweights. I guess that's a bit of a loophole because I was thinking of her as lead role, right? Yeah. Um, supporting actor, I'm gonna go with the uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Ooh, giving Rose some love. I like it. I like that a lot. Okay. Um, moving up to best supporting actor. Who you got there? You know what? If we're if we're going that route, even though I know this guy's one of the mains, so let's let's do uh, John Boyega. For which one? The Force Awakens. Fair enough. I, I'm giving it to Mark Hamill from The Last Jedi. Even though Lucasfilm brands him as a lead, I'm giving him supporting actor. I thought he he was fabulous, deserves some recognition, so he gets my Star Wars Oscar. 
All right, now we're moving to the serious heavyweights. Best actress. All right, I mean, your your, your choices are what really, <laughs> honestly. This is again the sad part. You have Leia or Ray. Um, I'm I really liked Ray's per. Or, uh, anyway, I like Ray's performance much more than I did in a race character much more than I did in the force awakens in the last Jedi. Maybe it's because Daisy Ridley has, uh, aged a bit physically and maturely. I don't know. There's just, there was just something about her there that I, I noticed her acting prowess or her chops had kind of been honed a bit. And I appreciated that. But in the long run, my choice is going to have to go with, uh, I'm going to have to go with Carrie Fisher for empire. Yeah. She was so good in that. She, yeah, she has a heavy role in that. She's in it from start to finish, um, and she, she nails it. Yep, that's that's the winner. All right, but James, let's back up on yours a little bit. We'll, um, actually, I'll start with cinem- cinematography. We seem to be interested in that category. Cool. Um, you guys did we, yours yeah, already? Yeah, we're, we're way up the list, so we'll just you can rattle off yours quickly. So f- fly through mine. So I went with The Force Awakens. So did I. Good job. Uh, best supporting actress. Yep. Um, I went with uh, I wanted to say Sindel. Um, <laughs> Laura Dern for that, re- for that reaction. Oh God, no! <laughs> I know. Yuck. Um, but I'll I'll go with um I'll go with Padme. I'll go with her from uh, Episode One. I don't think she had a big enough role for a leading role anyway. I'm happy that Padme got some love here. All right. Yeah. Uh, best supporting actor. See again, I don't think that I. I never had the hate that everybody had for uh, for Hayden Christensen, and so I'm gonna go with uh, episode two, Hayden Christensen. Mm. Again, I don't. I, I don't think he had a big enough role for the lead. Really? Yeah, I don't think enough enough screen time. Even though story wise, obviously, it was centered uh, pretty heavily. Look at th- I like this. I like this. Our, our, our prequel friends are getting some love. Uh, and I think we are now at best actress. Me and Corey gave actually Corey. I could have got La- I could have gone Lando, but I thought it was too easy. Did did, you, did anybody give no. it to Lando? Did it, who who? No. I'm curious. What 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 one uh, supporting for you guys? Just like just for men. Uh, Mark Hamill for me. Last Jedi. Yeah, I took John Boyega, TFA. Good choices. All right, so Corey Corey gave best actress to. Carrie Fisher in Empire? Yes, sir. James, who you got? Same. Wow. Awesome. Um, it's a sweep. No, it's not a sweep. I'm giving mine to Daisy Ridley for NTFA. As a rookie performance, first real big league appearance. I think she she did a... I mean, she hooked us, right? We saw this this young woman on screen and we were all... We, we just fell in love with this kid. And, and not just because I she's did, beautiful, but, I, but because I mean the way she portrayed this strong yet vulnerable, vulnerable character, like we were so invested, <laughs> just so invested in her. That's <laughs> true, but I I buy her performance in the Last Jedi a lot more again because I think she's just aged those few years and had a few other movies in between, matured. Uh, there were certain scenes again in The Force Awakens for me that I personally I, I could tell she was kind of acting, you know, when like she was like, eating her bread and putting the helmet on. Like, 
I don't know. I wasn't buying it. I, I bought every second. I mean, of course, in The Last Jedi as well. I mean, I've, I've bought every second of Daisy Ridley's performances. All of it. Maybe that just makes me easy. All right. Best actor. Who wants this one first? James, let's, let's go over to you. Um, I, I, I had a hard time between two guys only. And I think I, I'm definitely going to rock the boat or my take will be hotter than lukewarm. And I'm going to go with, and only if he's got enough screen time to apply, I'm, I'm pretty sure he, he's controversial, but I'm going to go with Kylo Ren's performance from The Force Awakens. Hmm. Very interesting. Corey. Yeah, when he when he kills his dad, I mean, come on, that's... That's that's a pretty powerful scene. It I is. Think, I think hugely, hugely, bigly, perfectly. Corey, what you got? Off. Oh, uh, it's surprising to me. Like uh, honestly, like really hard choice. I voted on this early in the week in the uh, TSW VIP group. Um, Kylo Ren, TLJ. Oh man, mind blowing. Again, Mark Hamill, Last Jedi, mind blowing. But I actually went. You know, we've talked about this, and you're the kind of the one that's shown a little light more on this for me, Kyle. Uh, like, it kind of was just stayed in the recesses or the back of my mind, right? But once it was brought to the fore, I was like, holy cow, you're right, man. But uh, with Mark Hamill for Empire, just because, again, I, I bought every moment of him talking to Yoda. And, uh, yeah, I just buy Luke in that movie. He's so genuine, uh, just such a Skywalker. He is, and until this past or last few months, I would have given that performance the Oscar as well, but I'm giving it to Adam Driver for The Last Jedi. He's a madman. He's he's just so compelling. It's just such a, a layered Madden. and uh, complicated, conflicted performance from him. He's great. I Adam love Driver's it. He's great. Ugh. You can feel it, man, watching him. Like, you see, you see it, you feel it. Everything. Everything just... It just pouring out of him. I, I love his performance. He's so powerful to watch on screen. So two votes for Adam Driver. Yeah, he's good. For me, the other the only other guy on my list was uh, Liam Neeson because as much as Liam Neeson is Liam Neeson, in that movie, he was a Jedi for me. And that, that was and his that, movie. That's, that's pretty, true. Yeah, that was, that's a pretty tall uh, order for that, you know, to, to, to pull off not seeing um, someone who's, whose kid's been taken Although at that at that time he hadn't had so many kids taken from him, I guess. But still, <laughs> no, you're right, man. You're you're 100 percent right there. All right, uh, two more here. Best director, Corey. Uh man, I want to give it to Ryan for the Last Jedi just for his bold vision of things. But I I kind of got to give it to <laughs> I got to give it to Lucas. Got to give it to Lucas for his bold vision of the original. And a new hope, and how he pretty much almost killed himself doing this thing on such a low budget, like just the works, the whole, the way everything culminated by the end of it all, and what it amounted to, I think is uh, just super noteworthy and worthy of of that nod. Worthy of recognition. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, James, you care to disagree with that, or you got someone else in mind? I will not disagree. Nope. Perfect. Good answer. That's the right choice. It is, uh, for me, the only choice. It's similar to my my logic with the visual effects that for what he achieved, Corey, like you said, with, with the limited budget and, and the time frames and the stress, all that stuff and what came from it, 
the result just speaks for itself. We would we would not be here if not for that guy and his his crazy brain and his uh, his ambition to get it done. Even at that though, I think Irvin Kirshner deserves a little bit of a nod as well, just in the sense that you know Star Wars after it had already succeeded in A New Hope, uh, moving forward they had this huge story to tell, and you know this huge budget now and this huge crew and this. It was vastly different than that of New Hope, right? Like, it was big budget composed uh, as compared to an indie film. So, having him come on board and help Lucas kind of, like, manage that deserves a bit of a knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. If anybody wants to say Irvin Kirshner for ESB, okay. I'm not going to argue with you. And finally, the big one, best picture. James, who you got? Empire. Empire for for reasons that we need not speak about. Corey, it's it's top of my list, right? So it's got to win. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of going in a different vein there in the sense that you know Empire is still my favorite film, uh, but it's a it's a toss up again between A New Hope and The Last Jedi, just because like the the bold moves taken. Um, but I gotta again go to give it to George, man, because again he almost gave his life for this franchise and what it amounted to and what came of it—just too hard to let go of. Yeah, I mean, Empire is my favorite for sure, uh, and that's that's mostly because of the way it speaks to me and the way it looks to me. Uh, but I'm—I I gotta give A New Hope Best Picture. I—I just—I have to. It's if nothing else. I mean, I think a movie that wins Best Picture ought to tell a complete story. And Lucas wrote A New Hope, I think, hoping to do more, but, you know, hoping for the best, but planning for the worst. Like, if we had never gotten another movie, at least Star Wars, as it was originally called, told a complete story. And so I, I'm I'm giving it to that. Although Empire, again, still is and perhaps always will be my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, yeah, so that's it. There's our Oscars. I think A New Hope probably won the most, but Phantom Menace did surprisingly well. Mm, I think Empire won the most. That's possible. I'm I'm not going to sit here and count. It's, them it's all. close between those two. But you know what? I you know in doing this, what I want to do is leading up to actual Oscar night on March fourth. Uh, I want I'm going to put together some kind of questionnaire and just post it and let people come in, <clears throat> nominate or just you know have their choice and then we could even do this a, a, a podcast about our, our results we might be do fun that, that I might didn't be know, fun. um the oscars were on military day this year really march 4th hmm. look at that <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah i might do that. That, that i think that would be a lot of fun and if we can get a large enough sample i think we'd get some interesting results but ads Thank you for sending us down another rabbit hole, sir. All right. Let us move on. Oh, actually, Corey, I wanted to ask you. Before The Last Jedi came out, and we asked you, are we, you know, we asked each other, are we staring down the barrel of the best Star Wars movie yet? And then your answer was? I remember. It's most likely. Most something. likely. I really think it's most likely. <laughs> Hey man, that's still up for grabs. I, I'm I'm still not letting go of that. To me, personally, it's rising the ranks 
day after day. The more I think about this and the more I mull it over and the more I read things, uh, I just want to watch this movie more and more. The other ones have such an advantage in the sense that I've seen them literally hundreds of times. Like this film, uh, it's got so much to offer, so much that's gone under my radar. So then when I see people speaking about it, I'm like, holy cow, I didn't notice that. It's amazing. And I think it's going to continue to grow on me like that personally. Like I, I, it is good. I'm enamored with this. Movie. It is good if 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 um, I don't know, I don't know I don't want to be the negative guy. So it is good that if you like it, more viewings seem to make you like it more, and I, that that says a lot for a movie. Like it's not my cup of tea. More viewings isn't helping me with it. Um, but like 99 percent of the people I talk to, just every time they watch it, they like it a little bit more. So you got to say something for you know for that. I would like to challenge that literally though. Uh, t- hundreds of times that means more than 199 Oof, I don't know about that <laughs> no but uh, OT it's, re- it's really hard to say man oh my god that was that was like multiple viewings per day sometimes back in the day alright I just want to get your take on that to see if, if uh, so you're, okay you're still there that this might actually be for you the best Star Wars movie ever interesting I was, I was hoping for it and again, that's the hope for all of us. I was hoping it for really to soar up and above and beyond, but it's still giving me a lot to think about. I left the theater like a madman, and I'm I'm loving that. Good. All right, it's time to talk with Bradley. Let's let's hear what Bradley has to say this week. Hey guys, Bradley here with this week's Star Wars questions. So we got a new movie, and we got new characters. So. What's your favorite new character in The Last Jedi? Is it A, DJ, B, Rose, C, Vice Admiral Hodo, or D, Snoke? That's right, I said Snoke. I know we've seen him in The Force Awakens, but we didn't see him in the flesh like we did in The Last Jedi. So that's why I'm including him in this group. So out of these four, who's your favorite character? For me, I would have to say Snoke is the, my favorite character. I liked everything he had, uh, that he had to say. I liked the way he looked. I liked his force powers. I liked his demeanor. I liked his cockiness. I liked his overconfidence. And I liked that he got killed. Uh, so for me, it's Snoke. I like all the scenes that he's in, uh, hands down. Out of those four, my least favorite would probably be Mm, either Hodo or Rose. Um, DJ, I didn't mind him. Uh, I thought he was intriguing. Um, you know, mysterious and, you know, who knows if we'll see him again or not. But, um, yep, so that's my favorite out of new characters. So my next uh, question is, favorite new creature in The Last Jedi? So is it A, Porgs? B, the uh, Thala Sirens, a.k.a. Sea Sows, that we see on Octu, or C, Fathiers, or D, the Voltex, if, I don't, I'm not sure how you say that, but the Crystal Foxes that we see on Crate. So out of those four, who's your uh, favorite creature for The Last Jedi? For me, I would have to say... Probably the Porgs. Uh, I thought they were very well done. I felt uh, like they were, they felt 
you know, like they belonged in the Star Wars universe. I like the fact that uh, they that they didn't use uh, too much CGI on them, that they were, you know, uh, kind of done old school. And uh, I thought they were cute. I liked, uh, you know, how they were put into the movies. I don't think they were overdone or too much of them. Um, you know, another creature um, that we could add to this list that I just now thought of is um, the caretakers as well. Um, they were they were kind of neat as well. And surprisingly, they had a few scenes in the movie. Um, but out of those, four or five, or uh, you could add even uh, creatures that we may have seen on um, Canto Bite. Uh, who's your favorite creature for uh, The Last Jedi? So, guys, I hope uh, y'all have had a great week. Hope y'all have a good podcast and looking forward to hearing y'all's answers. We'll talk to you later. Bye. And from the heart of Texas, there goes Bradley. Thank you, sir, for chiming in this week. All right, guys, who is your new favorite character from The Last Jedi? James, who you got? I think our choices were DJ, Rose, Holdo, or Snoke. Yeah, no, but it's not even close for me. It's DJ, and the the, the rest of the list is is on a different page. I just I just DJ, thought it was, huh? he, he was awesome. Well, I didn't like Holdo at all, and I didn't really love Rose either. I thought she was like an uncomfortable addition. Um, boy, did I just make a lot of people mad. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I really didn't think she fit at all. I thought she her I just the performance, the role, the. The, the line she delivered, all of it, terrible. Um, but I did like DJ a lot. DJ's, and he's an interesting cat. I hope we get to see him again, but I don't think we will. He, I, I he's sort of like we we got our um, our Hondo. Like if if Hondo never makes it on screen, like I feel like I got like a little taste of him. Yeah, he was you know a, a real oddball in that sense. Yeah, I like DJ. I hope we again. I hope we get to see him again. But at this point, I I don't see a need for. Oh, he's gonna get his own. You don't just leave like that and screw everybody over and get away with it. That scoundrel. Yeah, I mean, te- guys tend to come back, right? But I don't know, Corey. Who who do you got? Well, it's funny you kind of said that, James. Like I was kind of really hoping uh, when the movie started. Like I was super looking forward to Snoke. What Snoke? Haldo, I was like, man, this purple-haired Hunger Games girl is going to, like, drive me crazy. And DJ, too, I'm like, don't join. Oh, my God. It's going to blow my mind. And of those three, I think DJ, again, like you, uh, intrigued me the most. They, they left a bit of there, but there wasn't enough there. And uh, I was a big fan of Rose. I, I think the first time I kind of know what you mean, like, I kind of, she was the one actress that kind of felt, again, a bit like an actress in this film, but... Like a bad actress, you mean? I love... <laughs> Meh. No, like, the more I watch... I don't know. I, I bought the performance afterward. Like, when you see where she's coming from and all that, uh, I really like the character, you know? Yeah. Like, she's cute. She's cute. Know. That's I, what you want in your Star Wars my... character. Like an Ewok. <laughs> no. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> that was your first definition. That's the word... That's but what you I... chose. First word you chose. She was cute. Yeah? She is cute. Well, there you go. Enough said. Well, no, yeah, enough said. I mean, that, that's a good quality. Like, there's nothing wrong that's with that. What like, you I want just your think Star her Wars character is cute. 
Well, not all of them. I, I, I think that I, I think I think things need to be distributed equally. I think there should be a certain amount of cute in a sure. film, and she she fully she fully accomplished that role. And I I, th- I think her I think her character was really significant to all this, man. What like, sucks is like you're gonna get I, all the support on this. Like when 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 this comes out and and the people listen and and weigh in, those who weigh in are gonna be like, totally got your back on this, Corey. So I know I'm on my island, but I don't care. She sucked. That's fine. I mean. I, I I don't see why you're saying she sucked. That's that's my thing. Like I I thought I thought I if, can, I can if understand. they would have trapped her in a paper bag, she would have had a really tough time in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she knew the she knows about the the light speed tracking. Nobody else did. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's she's anyway. She's I I liked Rose too, and I agree with James in that she kind of sticks out. Like she's. There is something not Star Warsy about her, but I think that's kind of what drew me to her. And in reading a lot about what Ryan Johnson did with the character, like it was originally supposed to be Poe and Finn on on Canto Bite. But then he realized as he was trying to challenge each of these characters, that those two guys wouldn't challenge one another. It would just be like this little bro fest on Canto Canto Bite. So he that's where the Rose of Roll came. Uh, the role of Rose stemmed from that, that he needed. Yeah, I said Rose and stemmed. Ah, James, you should have picked up yeah, on that. That's pretty good. That's that's strong, actually. <laughs> that's, that's the best where, part about uh, Rose. Rose came from. Um, yeah. You know, and the other thing I, I want to complain about while I'm complaining quickly um, is her line that everybody loves so much about how, you know, you don't change the world and you save the ones you love. If the movie was called like Star Philosophy or Star Life, I'd be like, that's a cool line. But it's called Star Wars, and that logic doesn't apply to war. It's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there's, gonna be, there's still going to be plenty of wars. But I, I, I like that there's somebody that, that amidst all this is still kind of optimistic. and, and... Yeah, man, I think you missed the point, uh, James. The point is, 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 is sharp like a bowling ball, and it's, it landed on my foot. Dad, why'd you why'd you drop it? Ugh, ugh. Ryan Johnson dropped that ball, man. Not me. Ugh. You know, I, 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 I really I dig Rose. I dig that, you know why, I just dig that she's she's so different from Star Wars Cat. She's not somebody who's running around with a blaster shooting everything in sight. Um I, I dig that I'm, you know that whole list of characters that, that Bradley gave to us, I feel like Rose sticks out because for me, like she, she sort of was like a almost like a ray of sunshine into the franchise. The, the other ones do Star Warsy things, but except for Rose, I, I would when I watched the OT, I wasn't film, like I'm I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, but when I watched the OT, I wasn't like it needs more sunshine. I wish I wish there were more rays of sunshine. Mm, but no, but nobody probably asked you either. Right? <laughs> no, that's like, true. Of of, of the. Of the new characters in Empire, which did you like Lando or, jeez, uh, the Emperor made his first appearance. Did you like him or, you know, nobody really said it. Like, tell us why. Yeah, and I'm sure what I had a, a complaint at the time too. There's always something to complain about. I just, I guess I've been saving it for this section. I've been holding it in, and it's just coming out now. Feels sort of good though. Well, I, 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 you know what? I think it might have something to do with the James. Though I think it honestly might have something to do with her acting performance. Even though I gave her best supporting actress, it's because I like the character. But I do. She doesn't have that many serious roles in acting. Like she's a total newbie. So 
there were certain scenes in the movie that was kind of like, ooh, like acting. I can kind of see it, but just what her character represents uh, as a symbol. Well, okay, like, let me. But Star Wars and acting, like top-notch acting, have never really been a thing no, that, that people go, fair. "Oh, look at that performance." Well, uh, that's true, but like, I mean, you know, the tide might people... be turning on that, right? With we just talked about Adam Driver and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, they've all turned in stellar performances. Liam Neeson. But by and large, when you talk about Star Wars, people go, "Oh, yeah, that can't be franchise where everybody's just like hamming it up." Well, I, I just like what she represented and the fact that she's kind of like the galaxy in a way like she's you know the oppressed uh the people that are downtrodden and all that you know but she still holds her head up high and like that's exactly what a lot of people hated about the movie though is that like she was her role is like this big representative smack in the face for a political view that's like that's like a big complaint what you just said this and that is a, a critique of the movie. I don't understand. Like people are suddenly complaining that politics are a part of Star Wars. They've always been there. Like Lucas specifically conceived of Star Wars and the Phantom Menace with politics in yeah, mind. That's obvious too. Well, you're right. Not only that, he, I, and I, the First Order—they're basically Nazis. So yeah, oppression. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's it, it's you know what it is. I think a lot of it is that some of the the portrayals. Of of the bad guys in this speak to a very specific demographic in our society, and a lot of those people are railing against this movie for those reasons, as if they don't like the idea of being having the mirror held up to their face, as maybe their their views may might be on the wrong side of history at this point. I don't yeah, know. That, that, that's that's uh, probably that's, at least part of it. I'm sure that that's that's at least part of it. I just found her to yeah, whatever. I think I've said what I, how I feel, but I don't hold anything against her. It's not like she's the type of actress that put me off, like a Ben Affleck, for example, who I, I have a hard time watching in future movies. Like, if she started something coming out next weekend, I'd be like, yeah, let's go check that out. She just didn't do it for me in in uh, in that movie. Yeah, that's fine. But okay, let's let's talk about the creatures then, because I know those must have did it for yeah. you. So. Bradley also asked us, among the Porg, the uh, the Thalassiren, which is the sea sow, the green milk distributor, the Fathers, or the Vulptex, James? Which ones jumped out at you? Jumped out at is, you know, <laughs> a tough question. Those milk cows were interesting. Um, what did I, I thought they looked like, uh, I thought they looked like, um, what was, what was the uh, slave trader's name who owned Annie with the wings? Oh uh, yes. What's that guy's name? Oh, Watto. Watto. I think they look like like <laughs> a Watto like cow. cows. That's what I call them leaving the theaters. Um but uh I, I guess I gotta pick the Vulptex. It was like by far the coolest. I wasn't nearly as annoyed by the porgs as I thought I might be. Um I give them like a just a, a C, but I give the Vulptex an A minus and an A. I thought it was really cool. The Vulptex were super cool. They were really, really cool and I thought they might have a little bit more of a role to play. I mean, in the end, my prediction of them was it was not wasn't so much a prediction that the resistance would follow them out of the cave to the exit. But I thought they'd have maybe a little more to do, and that's that's a me problem and not a problem with the movie. Uh I I love the fathers. I love the giant space horse and their big floppy ears. And there's there's almost like a personality in their eyes. 
Like I thought they did a really, really good job. Uh, and then there's the Porg. I, I, I love me some Porg. Chewy too. So I, I, I <laughs> well, Chewy wanted to. He wanted to love him some Porg. I don't know if he actually got around to eating it. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Porg, and I'll do it just on the strength of that one shot with Chewy in the cockpit, and he's sort of freaking out, and he's pulling his hair out, and there's one, there's one Porg on the dash. And it's wearing, it looks like it's wearing like Jordy LaForge goggles. And there's another one up on the, the co-pilot or the pilot seat and it's pulling out the stuffing. And there's another one also causing havoc. I'll, I'll give it to the Porg just on the strength of that shot. Fair enough. Fair and enough. Uh, I, I think Corey stepped away, so we're not going to get his take. Good. He was going to be wrong. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, no votes for the, uh, for the, th- the Thalassiren, the green milk uh, Watto cow. No votes for Watto cow. I guess not. I guess not. I, you know, I it would have been great if if they had conceived of like a a three D shot just with that. I thought they really could have done some three D magic with that. Gross. <laughs> Gross. All right, Bradley. There you go, sir. I think Bradley's going to get a little darker going forward with his questions about uh, TLJ. We'll see how that goes. All right, Bradley, thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you next week. And let's let's check in with Katie. And Katie is asking us this week to give us our favorite Yoda moment. And Katie's is a tie between lifting the X-Wing out of the water. In that moment, he shows how strong he is with the Force and how wise he is. The other moment is his lightsaber fight against Count Dooku, in which we see another side to Yoda, his more aggressive side, and how skillful he is with a lightsaber. Ooh, she's, James, what say you? She's not going to like when she gets to like episode 89 and I talk about and how much I, I like that scene. Um, <laughs> hey, Katie. Great, uh, great first choice. And I, th- I think the, uh, the lightning tree uh, scene from this, the most recent movie, The Last Jedi, is, is up there too. But I'd like to Corey this and say that my, my, f- Back my off, James. favorite... <laughs> Yoda scene is <laughs> is the uh, seagulls video that I must have watched literally yeah. <laughs> dozens of times by now. It oh god, that is so good. It is so funny to me. It, it gets it's it gets funnier that every is time. So good. Um, and I guess I'm giving it to the New Hope Yoda. The puppet stuff um, was really good. The swamp scenes and and we pretend he's like this crazy kook to sort of find Uh-oh, out what's, did we lose what's going James on with Corey? Luke. Um, there's some did. funny stuff there, but that Yoda so, I was wondering if remake I video there. with the seagulls. Uh, it almost sounded um, like the whole Skype call was yeah, about to implode. It just kills me, man. Well, you know, I had to step away for a few minutes there just because I, I went rummaging through my boxes to go grab my uh, my Rose Tico toy. Kind of <laughs> keep her right beside me here now. <laughs> All right. Um, Actually, you know what? I, I just got to touch back on Bradley's question there. I had to step away for a second, though, honestly. Um the Vulptex, that was my choice, Bradley. I think all the characters were chosen very well as well. But uh, the way they per- were portrayed, like we got so much Porg in the in the previews and the build-up too that I think he chose the, just the perfect amount. But the mysticism behind the, the Vulptex, awesome. But uh, the vol- the Faultiers are my final choice just because they look so sad. And I felt mm. for them. Hey, I'm back, guys. Sorry about We've that. got some diversity got on this bounced. one. Ah, there you go. All right. All right. So, Sorry uh, about that. All right. Yeah. James, you went with... Are, are, 
the force lightning scene with Yoda. Was that your pick or were you going with uh, X-Wing in the swamp? Um, no, I'm going with uh, the swamp Yoda overall, early swamp Yoda. Not the X-Wing scene, but uh, early swamp Yoda where he's, where he's messing with Luke. That, that is good. I, I can imagine reactions to that in 1980 when people had no clue what was going on. And a lot of people just like throwing up in their popcorn. But in subsequent years, it, it's just, it's so fun. I love it. He's just totally uh, tooling with Luke, and it's its fantastic. Corey, what do you got? Well, I can't argue with Katie's choice, honestly. Um, the Dooku scene was so cool, and... Corey, how, know, are, we, how are we friends? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I was looking forward to that my whole life, to be honest. I wanted to see Yoda use a lightsaber, and that was the scene. And I won't say the the fight and the build up the build up to it all to see him draw his lightsaber that was awesome. The fight itself uh, might differ a bit, but just you know getting to that moment was amazing. Like saying, "Oh my god!" I remember in theater like being like, "Yoda is gonna fight!" Like, "Oh my god!" Best part of the 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 Attack of the Clones. To yeah, me. I, I agree. There was a lot of build up. Uh, I was looking forward to that. And when he lit up the lightsaber, I also agree. I was pretty pumped. But I just thought there was too many, too many. Flips. And just the way he drew it too, he for, force drew it from his hip. I was like, "Oh damn, Yoda's gonna break it!" Oh, he but, brought uh, it all right. Yeah, he did. It was cool. But um, yeah, I mean the the X wing is pretty much the most iconic moment. But I, I'm on the same board on the same boat as you guys, man. The the beginning part where he's just tooling with Luke, just like. Hmm, how big you get? <laughs> how do you get so big eating food of this kind? Like, like mine, 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 all that stuff, man. Just totally messing with him, man. And the best part about that is, for me as a child, uh, I didn't know he was a Jedi. You know, the first time I saw the movie, I didn't have social media. I was super young. So seeing that and being like, Obi-Wan coming in, I'd be, I was like, what's going on, you know? like, And it took several viewings for it to really kick in, but you knew there was something about it. But now, like, for my child, for example, like, he knows Yoda. He knows Rebels. He's kind of seen Star Wars sporadically, if you will. But he knows Master Yoda is Master Yoda. Like, he's everywhere at this point. So it'll never be that uh, reveal to him. It That means that it, back in the day, there was two major reveals in The Force, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, right? You get the I am your father moment, but you also get Yoda. True. Like, no one was probably expecting that. Like, okay, where's this warrior that Luke was expecting? No, you're getting this monkey guy. Well, if you had social media in 1980, I could imagine you know, people saying, oh, this, this little green Muppet ruining the movie with jokes, and he's the great warrior. Like, what is going on in this galaxy where little tiny two feet tall Muppets can be great warriors? This doesn't make sense. This is not my Star Wars. <laughs> that, that's what, I'm sure that was would have been part of the social media conversation circa 1980. 100%, you're right. Uh, but to. yeah, I am going with Katie. I'm jumping onto the uh, the bandwagon where he lifts the X-wing out of the swamp. Well, I'll just I'm just going to back it up just a tiny bit and just I'm calling that whole bit the luminous being speech, which culminates with the X-wing out of the swamp. I like the loophole. That's not really a loophole. I'm just expanding the scene. Oh, I've, I've tried to do that before. It's all part of the same scene. It's not a loophole. He gives the speech. He pulls his X-Wing out. Meh. <laughs> anyway, but uh, you, just you, sh- sh- shout out to the to 
force lightning scene in the last Jedi as yeah. well. Super fresh to us, super new. You guys talked about it. Well, that uh, whole Yoda's whole appearance is is standout for sure. Yeah, powerful, wise, funny, iconic Yoda. Perfect, well written, and even again, uh, Return of the Jedi was another good scene. Just dying in his, in his potato sack. Yeah, hey, um, that's that's, that's Qui Gon's cape or uh, his robe. Yeah, that potato sack. <laughs> the way it evaporates as a kid I was just like wow man like it, it hurt me as a kid like I was really really sad to see that for the first time it was no Optimus Prime dies but yeah it was it was up there though not yeah you're right not to that magnitude but uh, it was like the music and all that I was like wow At least we had Obi-Wan to console us afterward so I'm gonna I, I, there's, I have an honorable mention and it's a blink if you miss it Blink and you'll miss it moment, but the way he shrugs off Palpatine's royal guards in Revenge of the Sith, like when he goes to confront Sidious, and he walks through the door and the doors and those two red guards like take that aggressive fight stance and he just sort of like waves his hands and knocks both out cold. <laughs> and he doesn't even look at them. He just just completely shrugs those two losers off. Alright. Good call. Katie. Thank you very much again. I love these questions. All right, so we're going to check in now with Josiah from the Four Sports Podcast, and he's got a great question for us this week, and it goes a little like this. It says, will there be another big baddie in Episode 9, or will Kylo be the the main villain? What do you think, Corey? Who could it be? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, It's it's a huge question, right? The only viable answer at this point, really, uh, if there were to be anyone, would be this possible mention of Snoke's apprentice. Uh, I really don't see it going down that route. Uh, Kylo really does seem to be the main villain at this point. Like, he's chosen his destiny. Like, the doors were closed, literally, on film between him and Rey. Uh, He's really shut himself off from the light. I could see if there were any other big baddie Aside from himself, and this is kind of going down the Kylo Redemption arc in a way, the First Order is the only opposition that can kind of oppose him at this point. If it gets out of his control, out of his grasp, if it's too radical, uh, maybe he'll intervene. But I don't see it being this Snoke's apprentice or some other Force user or uh, possibly Snoke you know, coming back and he was projecting himself in The Last Jedi. Like, I honestly think it's it's Kylo facing his own demons in this. He's his own bad guy. Uh, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a pretty fair take, I think. James? Mm, I think if there's going to be, I think there will be a bad guy and another uh, antagonist, uh, someone for us to, to be afraid of messing things up. But I don't know. I don't know why, but I think it could very well be that he'll have an apprentice if they do a time jump, especially. And if we've learned, if Ooh, we've learned like anything that. about uh, about the way the bad guys work, is the apprentices are always trying to kill um, their mentors. So I think you know the the, the yeah. threat could be coming from Usurp. underneath. That'd be cool, man. I didn't even think about Kylo having an apprentice. Really, I've been thinking about Ray because of Broom Boy and whatnot. But uh, well, couldn't the uh, Knights you... of Ren be his all his apprentices in a, in a way? Certainly. True, true. The usurpers. He's the master of the Knights of Ren. So if he's the master, what are they? Hmm. I mean, I guess they're his the minions. The lackeys. 
minions, lackeys, but maybe they are also apprentices. Or definitely followers, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. The Knights of Ren. <laughs> but I, uh, I don't know that they're going to insert anybody above him at this point. I don't think that makes sense. I sort of feel the same Me way. Me neither. I mean, they, they went way out of their way in The Last Jedi to put this guy at the top of the food chain as far as bad guys go. And you're down to your last movie. It would be really silly to me now to have somebody else above him. I don't know how you do that. And unless, again, if unless it's Snoke and he's really not dead, but that would all that would also feel a, a little bit forced at this point. Um. Yeah, I don't know. The Knights of Ren are that I think formidable second layer of bad guys. I think. The guys you got to take out before you take out the the main boss, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't know. Hux is obviously not it. He's too much of a of a punch bag now to be anything other than what he is. So yeah, I'm I'm sticking with with Kylo is is the top of the food chain, and that's it's going to stay that way. And no, unless, and no unless... redemption. I've never the liked only, the redemption the, thing, and I, I'm sticking to that. I still say it's going to be Force Ghost Ren with Mama. But, uh... Um... It could be not... Like, I know what you mean by Hux being a joke, but, like, Hux as a representation of the First Order getting out of his grasp again, in a way, you know? Like, just becoming too big for his bridges. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, he's 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 also nuts. They're all they're all nuts on the on the first order side. Like they are really unhinged. They'll do anything. And those two don't like each other a lot. Mm-mm. All right. I think we all kind of agree. Kylo is still still going to be the big bad guy. Yes. Yep. And I hope he ups his I hope he ups his uh, bad guy level up a lot. Uh, jeez, wow, what else do you want to do? He's he's crazy. Yeah, but he's such a nuanced character, though. He's still so torn in this film, in The Last Jedi, you know? By the end, it seems like he's made his decision, but, you know, he, he's got to commit to that. you got to believe it now, because in the first two films, we don't know if we believe it or not. He's so conflicted. I, I, I personally believe it. And I don't know if it's because I want to believe it or if they just sold me on it, but... Well, how did they sell you on it? The only other, the only thing that really indicates that is the last scene. Not being able to kill his mother is quite a depiction of a torn character. Well, sure, but then he knows that she's in the mine. He says, "No quarter, no prisoners." Like he wanted everybody in that cave dead, and and he knew his mom was in there. Hmm. And he's telling Luke, "I'll I'll kill her. I'll I'll just." He was telling her he's going to destroy everything. I, I I think he's gone. He's he's off the deep end now. All right, Josiah. There you go. It's a clean sweep. He is the main villain for episode nine. Got to be that. All right. Let's jump over to Matthew Salvatore, who jumped who who's, who's kind of jumped onto the Commonwealth bandwagon here. So Matthew, good choice, and thank you. So Matthew writes via Twitter says in Rogue One. Were the stormtroopers Django clones? And is and also is the clone rebellion on Kamino 
against the Empire from the old Battlefront 2 video game considered canon. Thanks. Love the show. Thank you, Matthew. Um, I'll, I can answer these quickly. The answer to both questions is no. Uh, the clones, to answer the Rogue One question, uh, the clones were decommissioned gradually after the end of the Clone Wars. Uh, so by the time we get to Rogue One, all the stormtroopers in that film are regular Joe Schmo people. Individuals who signed up or conscripted or whatever. But yeah, they are all their own people. And as for the question about the clone rebellion from Battlefront 2, this is this is the video game from 2005. At first I was like, wait a minute, what did I miss in the, this current Battlefront? But no, this is the 05 version. And all of that was blown out <clears throat> by once, once Disney bought Lucasfilm in 2012. I think it was April of 2014 when, <clears throat> when they kind of cleared the decks. It's definitely <clears throat> a cool concept, though. Yeah, uh, I was the hoping I had to research it. Pretty interesting. Like I had oh, to research it, man. It is, it like, is uh, a cool story that they had, but yeah, that's that's all gone now. The only the only things that survived the you know the the pressing of the plunger and dynamiting everything was uh, the six saga films, the Clone Wars movie, the series, obviously, and uh, Son of Dathomir. That's the only Dark Horse comic story that made it out and into the uh this new section of canon and so deservedly so yeah because it had such heavy involvement from Filoni and lucas that what are you gonna do throw out george lucas's work i don't think so yeah even at that just having read it this week for the first time like it felt like star wars it was right like right in that time period man it felt perfect Absolutely. Okay, uh, there you go, Matthew. Thank you very much. Hope to hear from you again. Thanks for interacting with us on on the old Twitter machine. All right, uh, and a new powerful friend chimes in this week, Jeff Keltz. He sent me an email. He's got all kinds of stuff that he wants to say, uh, so I'll read his email, and we'll we'll kick around a couple of notions from there. So Jeff writes, "I'd love to keep this short, but probably not going to happen." I noticed your uh, P.S. about collecting. P.S. I'm not sure what that means. Oh, yeah, no, I wrote him an email. I said P.S. Um, I have always been a loose three and three quarter collector, no matter what the carded value was. I have all the vintage figures loose and complete, except eight, which just so happens to be the rarest of them all. Amanaman, Ewoks, etc. I have every figure loose from 94 to 2012 that was released, which includes all retailer, online, and convention exclusives and any type of variant. And I mean... Holy shit. Any variant. <laughs> then the dark times entered because of space and finance. At one, uh, at what one time I had every one of these figures displayed loose and complete on shelves, and it was a glorious sight to behold. I can only imagine. Good God. I can maybe send a, a dig up pics to send you. Please do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I managed to quit cold turkey and just enjoy the collection I have and watching the films and Clone Wars series over and over. My wife cannot stand the prequels, but they will always be a part of my love for all things Star Wars. I think that the love for the films and collecting is just a natural response for wanting to have a piece of this galaxy far, far away right in your personal grasp. I was 10 years old when I watched the original release of Star Wars in theaters, so I can call myself luck very lucky to be at the perfect age to grow up on Star Wars. 
But here's the thing. I have just as many magical memories of the whole rebirth of Star Wars fandom in the early and mid-90s, which I would love to dive uh, deep dive with you guys. The magic of rekindling those feelings even before any of the prequel films came out is just as powerful to me. I have a couple of topics in mind which uh, might be good voicemail fodder. If you are wondering why I go by the handle Metal Mando, it's because I love heavy metal slash hard rock as much as I love Star Wars. And that includes the almighty Rush. Long live 2112. Nice. Take off, you hoser, eh? Yeah. Rush's variety. <laughs> Rush is awesome. <clears throat> Please feel free to share this opening salvo from me to the others on your podcast if you feel it is worthy. It is absolutely worthy. Your friend, Jeff the Metal Mando. So Jeff, thank you for that. And definitely send your pictures. I would definitely love to have a look at that. I'm sure. Yeah. Cheers, Jeffrey. Holy cow. The entire collection of figures from 94 to 2012 that is a lot of figures yeah i was salivating including <laughs> exclusives yeah that's, exclusives that's, and that's some yeah, serious that's a lot of stuff so definitely send those if you have picks and definitely looking forward to your voicemails and uh, okay so what i want to ask you guys like the whole rebirth of star wars in the mid 90s like that for me you know we grew up in in the 80s I'm just out of that, like I've said many times on the on the podcast that I only got into Star Wars as it was entering its dark ages, but I still have like pretty strong memories and attachments to that era, but it really was the mid nineties when it all came flooding back with starting with uh, the, the THX release, the one last time thing. And then all the toys coming back out, that was what I think cemented the obsession probably forever. And I have so many great memories. Like it just, it just came back so hard. You know, all my friends just watching me like dive so hard into this that you know all the Star Wars stuff that they had. They're like, "Oh, I found this for you, and you can have it." Like I don't care about Star Wars much anymore. So they were giving me like some of their old Star Wars stuff, and yeah, it was just. It was, I mean, I definitely ended up being that guy among my group of friends. Uh, but what about you guys? Mid nineties for Star Wars? Any any particularly fond memories there? Corey, go ahead. Well, all right, man. I I got this. Like honestly, like I was like I have to re reiterate exactly what Kyle just said in the sense that I was born in eighty one. Uh, can't grow up watching these movies in the theater, but it was such a big movie that we literally we were on the uh, precipice, kind of like we just rode that wave kind of right till it's crescendo and crashing on the shores because we just caught the end of it because we did grow up with Star Wars and we love Star Wars. Like, we just consume this stuff on a daily basis for so long. So once these, Kyle had said it, the THX was came out and we knew the special editions were coming out and then we knew the prequels were coming out. Like, I was at the perfect age. When the prequels dropped, the first prequel, I was 18 years old. Kyle was 21. Those are like, uh, Kyle, I was like a, 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 considered an adult in my province, in my state, if you will. And Kyle was a global adult. Like everything, all, every, all paths were coming together. It was so crazy. It was such a crazy buildup. And the way Kyle just said that it cemented and solidified our Star Wars fandom. It was that we were already kind of like uh, obsessed fans. And it was something that 
you know, me and Kyle understood, maybe a handful of others in our group, maybe kind of somewhat got. And once we knew that it was coming back to life, it was like, man, we're a part of this. Like, we love this. People don't get this. Like, this is us. So when it came to be, uh, like Kyle said, he was that guy. I was that guy. And friends, too, they came to me flocking, like, here, like, I got Ewok Village. And what did I do? I bought it and gave it to Kyle. <laughs> my, my buddy came with three times he did this with vintage figures from all three lines. He'd give me a grocery bag full of vintage figures for five bucks. He was like, yeah, just give me five bucks. I want to go buy drugs. <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, here's five bucks. Like, I, he gave me a land speeder, like, Tauntaun incredible like just the build up to this kyle and i garage sale hunting with our grandparents finding stuff from 77 bed sheets uh original chewbacca plush toys anything we can get our hands on like it was all star wars all the time we were reading we started getting into the expanded universe uh again just culminating at the age of 18 with a phantom menace uh, i have to say personally at the time it was a bit of a letdown looking back on it i look at it in a much higher regard but uh, yeah, man, that was our Star Wars as well. The 90s rebirth, the, the re-releases of the originals, the special editions were incredible. It all started with THX and honestly, some of the best times in my life. Honestly, like we just lived and breathed Star Wars at the time in our life. Absolutely. Yeah, it was like it is today. <laughs> Minus a podcast. It was pretty intense. Uh, James, anything, anything for yeah, you? Yeah, I, I was so 98, I was what, 22? And I was working as a bartender. I had tons of free time and a little disposable income. And we spent a lot of time in the movie theater that summer. I saw it, uh, you know, more than 10 times. Um, we saw it on opening night with a big group of people. I really liked that. That is by far my favorite, uh, by the way. The, the first one, Phantom Menace, is by far my favorite. Um, and the opening and the buildup um, after the big break between the o OT and... Uh, the prequels, uh, as much as they sort of went, um, you know, and, and got a bad rap, uh, especially when when uh, two and three came out. Number one for me was a pretty special movie, and yeah, I was I was in a happy place that summer. You know what the best part about that all is, too, man. Like honestly, like being an eighteen year old uh, and a bit immature, I was fairly disappointed with the film, and having waited all that time as a boy. I was a bit hurt. It it really took me out of the Star Wars thing, followed up by the Attack of the Clones. Oh, don't get going there. Like, then Revenge of the Sith. Like, but now, now looking back at it all, like, I've been watching them more and more lately, and I've been watching the a lot of the special features. And I, I don't know, like, it's 20 years now. It's so crazy to think that, but it's 20 years, and I, I'm loving it more and more. I love it more and more as a film. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I look back on my mid nineties stuff, all the stuff that I have in my stash, which I used to think is a, was a pretty big deal. But now I, t I hear from guys like Jeff and his, his complete collection. I, you know, I, I'm a part of a bunch of different groups on Facebook and these guys have museum worthy collections. And I'm like, huh? Right. <laughs> I've got nothing, but um, no, I just, Going out with, with pals in 97 to catch the special editions, like, that was, for me, like, 
it hit me right square between the eyes. Like, this is what people got to do 20 years earlier in 77. This is my first time seeing these movies on the big screen. And I'm going to see them all on the big screen in the next couple months. Like, it was really intense, those first few months of 97. Just great, great times. And I was spending any, pretty much every cent I made, I was spending it back out on Star Wars. That, so, yeah. that was a horrible example for me as well. Like, I was younger than Kyle. Kyle, like, got his first job. I was still kind of working, but we both, kind of, like you'd said, James, we both had a bit of disposable income. It's like more than, you're not a 10-year-old anymore. You're either, like, delivering papers or working part-time, whatever. Like, you have this money, you know, you know, and... Well, yeah, you're living rent-free. What are you going to do with it? Save it? Star Wars. <laughs> Who saves money? Let's Star Wars with her money. Pretty much. Yeah, no, that's so so Jeff, thanks, man. Like I, I thinking back on that that time period, it was it was just so intense. You know how teenagers get, right? Like, holy cow, when you fall in love with something as a teenager or somebody, like you're just so passionate about it, about that thing. And it tends to stick with you for a long, long time. Just the like the dedication of a teenager is sometimes quite frightening. But yeah, thanks Jeff. Thanks Jeff for for bringing that up and letting us uh wax nostalgic for a few minutes. And then from one Jeff to another, it's our good pal Jedi Fish from the Canto cast. And he this week he's got an, another Star Wars Seinfeld mashup. I don't know how he keeps coming up with these, but he does and we love it. So Jeff says, "We all love Star Wars Rebels. We all love Seinfeld." Which three characters would you take from Rebels to replace three characters in Seinfeld? And it's not written here, but I'm just going to, I'm throwing a spoke in the wheels now. And this is a, a, a Jeff approved loophole slammer. It's actually not even a loophole, but we cannot use Hondo as Kramer. That's just too easy. Can't do it. So Corey, Let's let's uh, let's let's hear your list. Well, you know, I thought about it. And I thought about it, and I was like, "Who could be George? Who could be Jerry? Who could be Kramer? Who could be Elaine?" Uh, but you didn't have to do that. I, he didn't. He didn't say replace no, the core. Exactly. Four. All right. Exactly. So that's when where I started veering away because there's no even Stephen in this. It's a toss up between Elaine, uh, for between Hera and Sabine for Elaine. I could see them both dancing very poorly. Uh, there's no analog for for Elaine, like no, like, James, but he, like James said, like Elaine Peacocks, <laughs> and no, no. none of the Star Wars ladies are are phonies. Like it just it doesn't work. There's no Elaine comparison. No, you're right. You're right. Um, so I went in a bit of a different route. I took some uh some bit of weird characters. Okay, so we're gonna go with the first one. I am replacing Newman. With as Morgan. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> you knocked one off my list. Damn it. All right. This is why I build I backups. Got the next two. I might get the next two here. All right. Well, All right, I, I, so, I want to I hear from James. I have a okay. feeling you are going to steal mine. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to tune into James here for a sec. I feel like I'm going to have missed the boat because I did Newman as well, but I didn't choose the same Newman as you. I thought Ch- Chopper was the like most evil member of the crew and would make... <laughs> <laughs> would make a good Newman, but short, rotund, yeah, grumpy, yeah. But he he's too loyal and loving, man. At the I same think time. that Newman's very loyal and loving to Kramer. Buff, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
He uses Kramer for his own means. <laughs> Actually, now that I, I take it back, Chopper's not loyal and loving at all. He's a pain in the ass. Remember when they're they're getting they're stuck outside Dude. outside the uh, ship in like season one. <laughs> as long as he knows they're not going to die, it's okay to bust their balls. Okay, whatever. But he'll he'll never leave them behind. Like he's been there through thick and thin. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. Okay. I st- I still think it's kind of funny. Like I, I, I hello chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Corey, give me another one. All right, uh, I'm going to give you a combo here. Just round it out. Uh, I will give you Hondo, but Hondo is Slippery Pete. Yes. And Vizago is Shlomo. I like that. I like that. James, can you top that? He really likes it. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. He's the best and the worst. I just decided that I should have I should have put <laughs> Chopper as uh, as George's dad. They're both fiery, hot tempered little buggers. That I could see yeah. more. Yeah, feats of strength. Um, but I thought I, when you said Hondo was the obvious Kramer, to me he wasn't. I thought Zeb was was a good Kramer. You think so? Well, really? in, in st- physically, physically and stuff, physically, yeah. yeah. I guess it's it's more that he's he's obviously not a goofball, but I could just I could see him playing the part and tripping over the couch on the way in. Yeah, it's just Hondo's the one that actually trips over the couch and falls ass backwards in the money. <laughs> That's true. All right, I, I'll buy that. Um, I'm gonna throw in Thrawn as Postmaster General. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Okay, that one went over like a lead balloon. I got another one. I got uh, Governor Arinda Price as Patty, who happens to be Milos' wife. Oh, jeez. Remember Milos? Another point for Milos. (laughs) (laughs) Little girly man. (laughs) All right, I, I got two more. Corey, I want one of yours first. I give you both mine. Oh, jeez. Oh, you only had two? I had three. I had as Morgan as Newman and then Shlomo for oh, right. Zago. Okay. And I can come up with more. All right, James, what what else you got? Well, I Who's the Bob Sacamano? Yeah, we don't know anything about Bob Sacamano. Tony. <laughs> our, our pal Tony. <laughs> um, Did you guys put Kanan anywhere? Not yet. But did, is he on your list? He's not, but I have. I, I actually I wrestled with this one. You this can, one could man. have been Kanan. Well, who, who do you? Who, who's who's your Kanan? For Kanan, I can't, I should have looked up his name, but the guy Jerry races in high school. Oh, I don't remember his name. So I I had Kanan as possibly the himbo. Oh. <laughs> But but eventually I gave the himbo to Callus. It's Kanan's voice. It's Freddie Prince Jr. who's a himbo. <laughs> it's Empire Day. <laughs> it's Empire Day that makes you think that. See, I, I look well. Um, I looked at Callus and he's always so cool, and I can just imagine him sitting at Monk's in the diner, just like reclining back in this in the bench, and just every, George eating out of the palm of his hand. He's just so cool, and George just wants to be like Callus. Yeah, yeah. You're telling right. him he should grow a pair of lamb chops. Like, yeah, this guy with this full head of hair, these great lamb chops, hot Callus, and George. They'd work for you, George. I am so down. 
Mark me down. <laughs> How about this? Thrawn, Thrawn as the soup Nazi. Yeah, that's pretty good. Not fiery enough. He's, he's a bit too. Yeah. He's a bit too calm. Yeah, he's a little slow mo. No soup for you. I got. I got one more. And I'm re- I'm replacing General Dodonna with Izzy Mandelbaum. <laughs> Mandelbaum. 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 You think you're better than me? What? You think you're better than me? <laughs> it's go time. He thinks he's better than me. Oh god. You show him, Dad. Wait, oh, my back. Um we'll go, looping back to the Elaine thing. I can see Hera, like her, the, the Vanessa Marshall voice. Like I can see her rolling her eyes at the antics of all these buffoons that she's surrounded with. The push. The push I can get. But Elaine, Elaine herself is just too incompetent. So I, I can't. There's, there's no women in Star Wars who are incompetent like Elaine. See, the thing that threw me off is I was like, man, Elaine, Sabine, Elaine... Hera, they're both very. I could see going both other ways, and I could both. I could see them both dancing very poorly. <laughs> I could just sure. see it. Yeah, and those those giant uh, ear flap, those head flaps of hers, the leku, is that what they're called? <laughs> just flopping all over the place. Yeah, that would the be the urban sombrero. Anyway, there you go, Jeffrey. Thank you, sir. I hope that uh, scratched the itch. If you have any choices, let it you know, hit him with us. Hit him, hit them, hit us with them. There. And guys, that will do for episode 111. Thank you guys. Thanks everybody for sending in your th- questions and thoughts. It's really, really appreciated and hope to hear from you all again next week. Guys, that was fun, man. I had a lot of fun today. As did I, man. It's always fun. Yeah. That's something, man. It's, it's, it's true. You look at the show notes sometimes and you're like, Man, there's uh, there's not too much here, but man, thank you so much to the powerful friends and everyone like chiming in because yeah, it it was a lot to think about and a lot of fun to digest. Absolutely, and for our powerful friends, the Sith Disturbers are back this week, and we are going to be giving away that beautiful 40th anniversary Leia figure. Can't wait to do that. And uh, if you're listening and you still haven't become a powerful friend, you can do so at patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. Get into these contests, our monthly draws. Uh, Our Han Solo contest is about to launch. You want to get in for that as well. And uh, you'll also get yourself uh, some podcasts, exclusive podcasts and newsletters for your $2, $3 a month. So head over there to patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. Check it out. And uh, if you're looking for another way to help the show, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. That's that's another great way to get us uh, some extra eyeballs and attention for the show and yada, yada, yada. And uh, also, don't forget the Star Wars Commonwealth. These guys are just rock stars, one and all. Uh, guys and girls, actually. Everybody's doing just such great work. So go check out StarWarsCommonwealth.com or just search Star Wars Commonwealth on iTunes and you'll get all the shows that we are affiliated with. And uh, each one of them brings something different to the table and well worth your time. So go check them out there. And uh, guys, while people wait for episode 112, where can they find you on the Twitter machine, Corey? Well, let me tell you, Kyle, 
everybody can find me at Chop Rules with a Z. Ooh, a little bit of mustard on that this week. <laughs> James, where where do people find you? Uh, you can try at Tommy Bombadil one, and hopefully by the time this airs, I'll be back into that account, which I'm currently locked out of. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, do go and check us out at our uh, our Tolkien podcast uh, with a, with a brand new name. Check us out at the Green Door Pod on Twitter, or check us out at thegreendoor.podbean.com. Episode three comes out this week. I can't wait, man. Yes, sir. I'm so confused. I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm almost through that letter that he wrote to that other guy. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't need to read that, but if you are reading it, it's, uh, it's probably a bit interesting because it's got a, a, a summary of the plot. Well, you know, I, I'm, I, I was getting through it and, go, and then I, I was getting too sleepy, so I stopped and I said, "Do I really want to read this? Like, should I just skip to chapter one?" So I, I may just do that. You should probably just do that. I will probably do that. So yeah, check out James and Ads, and um, you guys May. have a, uh, and May. Yes, you have a third member of the podcast. May is joining you guys to talk Tolkien. So please do go check out their group on Facebook, uh, the Green Door Podcast. And uh, as James said, it's also on Podbean, and you can find them on Twitter and all that stuff. Good stuff there. As always, I am at Tumbling Saber all over the place: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Come check us out. Come talk Star Wars with us, and. Uh, Again, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for your time once again. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to the powerful friends and Sith Disturbers. I know Carlos is itching to get back on the mic. So he'll be joining us this week. And uh, for everybody else, we will catch you in episode 112. So have yourselves a good one. When we come back, we'll be talking, hopefully, about a Han Solo trailer. That's about time, eh, guys? God, I hope we can do it live. Yes. I'm hoping we can maybe do it plausibly live. Maybe we should try and do something well, together. We can organize something, honestly. Like, once we hear out. that it comes... Like, we know we recorded that time. So, once we hear that it comes out, it's like, okay, guys, let's record. We watch the trailer. Boom, record. Yeah, maybe we'll do something with that. I don't know. We'll figure it out as the week goes along. But uh, you guys out there, thank you again for listening. Have yourselves a great week. And we'll talk to you on the Twitter machine or Facebook machine or whatever. But have a good one. We'll talk later.
watching you walking away from me. Were you watching?